is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hassan Remus with you for the next couple of hours. We've got a packed show with a ton to get to around the Winnipeg Jets. They head into tomorrow night's home game against the Tampa Bay Lightning with the reinforcements coming back into the lineup. But in just a minute, we'll let you know how practice looked today. Who is back with the Winnipeg Jets? Corresponding roster moves as well as in addition to the lines, how the new look power play looks with all of the uh, healthy bodies coming back to the lineup. Certainly sets up for a uh, exciting Friday night against the juggernaut Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow at Canada Life Centre. We will hit the skills competition yesterday. It was a very fun night for Winnipeg Jet players and their fans last night at Canada Life Centre. And, of course, we got a gold medal game tonight to talk about Canada getting another chance to uh, knock off the checks after the underwhelming way this tournament ended. Big win last night. Somewhat controversial at times against Team USA. We'll chop that up with Brandon Rewicki as well as the latest Jets news. And, of course, Marat Atesh as well. Looking forward to that. A little later on, after we spend quite a bit of time talking Jets, we will get into news coming out of the National Football League. First and foremost, great news on DeMar Hanlon. Sounds like he has been responding very well to his treatment to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. We'll get you the latest on his uh, prognosis as well as what the National Football League is going to do about this unprecedented scenario coming out of Week 17, which has really thrown everything in the AFC up in the air as it pertains to the playoffs. So big show today. Great to have you with us. Shout out to everyone in chat, everyone listening on the podcast, and of course the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, and our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Michael Remus, what's going on? Us, I'm here. I'm having a great time. I think it's a great mood if you're a Jets fan. Um, it seems like all these guys are coming back uh, a lot more quickly uh, than we thought they would. So I am looking forward to this game against Tampa on Friday. And... Uh, great seeing everyone in the chat. And we did have that skills competition last night, which seemed like a lot of fun for everyone in attendance and for the players as well. Listen, just before we get to um, the Jets lines today, and again, we'll go over the skills competition later on with who won, um, just some of the highlights of it. But Rio, can you get this picture up, please? Oh, yes. For people that have not seen this, uh, shout out to Danimal, who was there last night taking some pics and fired this over to WSTHQ. I think this has to be potentially the Winnipeg Jets photo of the year. Now, I guess we're only in the first week of the year. A photo of the season so far, but a lot of fun watching Vili Hainala over the last week play and play very well. And there is Vili. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, he's wearing a large gold chain with a medallion on it, which has a picture of Rick Bonus and just says, bones uh i cannot tell you how hard i laughed when i saw this for the first time yesterday and listen it is part of the fun of the skills competition uh but billy's got a big smile on his face and he should have one as uh 
for the way he's played lately. And it sounds like with the corresponding roster moves, it sounds like Vili Hainala will at least be on the roster, whether he'll be in the lineup tomorrow night, that remains to be seen. But uh, Remo, the Danimal came through big time for WS tears with this beauty from last night. <laughs> it's just absolutely classic. Yeah. Shout out to Danimal who emailed this, uh, emailed this to us. I said, Hey, can I post this on our Instagram? And immediately the likes started coming in. On Twitter. Right in your wheelhouse. You knew. Yeah. You just saw thousands of likes for this Well, photo. it's got a lot of things that are hot on social media right now. Uh, Vili Hainala, who's pretty hot, playing three games in a row, trying to stay in lineup, wearing a gold chain with bones. I mean, that's like the two things colliding to one magical photo. It's actually a pretty good photo in focus, nice smile. And I think that's what the skills competition are about. The players interacting with fans, uh, having fun. And Mike McIntyre wrote that in his column today in the Free Press, or it was after the skills competition, just how much more fun the players are having this year than last year. And uh, this is just a photo of a guy, you know, maybe he's trying to kiss up to the coach, has a little to try to stay <laughs> in the lineup for Friday. Whatever, yeah, whatever it takes. I'll wear this Bones gold chain if it gets me in the lineup on Friday. Oh, God, that is just, uh, that is beautiful. And listen, you know, on Mike's... Uh, um, point and this is something I mean I don't know how many times I said this last season when things were going poorly was that you know th that team had absolutely no fun and listen losing isn't fun and they were a very disappointing squad last year and I think we all agree and know that there were some things behind the scenes that weren't um, maybe conducive to having a team have a lot of fun going to work every day but I mean this goes back to the uh 2022 WST person of the year, Rick Bonus, Bones himself, as announced on the final show of 2022. I mean, his impact has been felt at every single level of the hockey club. And I know a lot of people scoffed at Kevin Sheveldayoff when he had said that, you know, Rick Bonus was a adding Rick Bonus as the head coach was a seismic change for this team. Uh, what, 38 games in? He was exactly right. And um, you know, you saw last night the way that team enjoys being around each other, um, the laughs, and their connection with the fan base, too. And listen, I'll give Bones a lot of credit. I'll also give a lot of credit to the people behind the scenes. I mean, whatever happened in the offseason with the Winnipeg Jets, with the way they were approaching social media, the way they were approaching kind of doing their best to expose their players a little bit more to the team, which to be honest, I think was really lacking for the first 10 years of the Winnipeg Jets here back in the peg. Um, it's all come together and listen, the wins are first and foremost, nothing puts smiles on faces more than a winning hockey team. And they've done that first and foremost. But I think last night, a perfect example of the complete 180 in the atmosphere around this Winnipeg Jets team. And, I think that's been a huge factor in the success they've had on the ice this season. Yeah, whatever he's done, Huss, um, you know, changed the culture. You know, they talked about the what mandate that they all had to sign before the season. Uh, everything's worked. Team's having success. And even when we thought over the last week, oh, this team is so injured, how are they going to win these games? They just rattled off three in a row after losing three in a row. And now we look ahead to Friday, tomorrow, when it's possible a number of players getting back as we had skating in a regular jersey today. I mean, this is... We're almost getting to the conversation. Are the Jets getting too healthy at the same time? Should they hold <laughs> some of these guys back? Because um, Ehlers, Schmidt, Wheeler, and Perfetti all practice today in regular jerseys. 
We do have some roster moves. Christian Reichel was assigned to the Moose this morning. Now they have to clear a spot for Wheeler. And I do see people writing in the chat has that Mikey or Michael Isimont has been placed on waivers as the waiver report comes off one. So yes, he wrote Isimont win, assuming that means Winnipeg uh, on waivers. Yeah, uh, by the way, for Tanny nailed it. Canada Life Center shall be known as the Boneyard from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's amazing. Love it. Um, uh, uh, and listen, you know what? Not to Barry Horowitz myself, but I think we uh, had some pretty good predictions yesterday on the program as to what was going to happen with these guys coming back. Christian Reichel, waivers exempt. First guy, but like the last guy called up. First guy to go down. It made sense. Of course, Jansen Harkins was already placed on waivers and assigned to the Manitoba Moose earlier this week. I mean, it really did seem like Michael Essimont was sort of the odd man out over the course of the last couple of weeks in a lot of ways, even with the you know addition of Carson Kuhlman and the recall of Christian Reichel. Uh, and Essimont will be the player that will be exposed on waivers. Uh, as far as the defense goes right now, um, and we'll, we'll, let's just get right to it, right to the lines today, Remo, because, uh, uh, listen, Ted, Ken, Mitch Clinton... Everyone, I think I saw Avco uh, talking about this. This is going to be the first practice day in a long, long time where it was going to be a race to the Twitter machine to crank out the lines because um, I can't remember a practice, maybe ever, Rima, where there was like in the middle of the season where there was so much to be learned from how things looked when the team hit the ice. But when you're adding Nikolai Ehlers, Cole Perfetti, and Blake Wheeler to your top six, and bringing in back in Nate Schmidt to the lineup, um, there's some pretty significant moves, and uh, those happened and are happening right now in advance of this game tomorrow night. The lines, we'll get to the defense in a second. The lines right now, Connor and Dubois, I said there's no way you're splitting those guys up. Well, they've got a pretty, pretty nice addition to their line with Nikolai Ehlers skating on the right side with Connor and Dubois. And Blake Wheeler's going to go back on the right side with Mark Shifley and Cole Perfetti. Um, rounding out a line that, you know, I thought was really, really good over the course of that month before Blake Wheeler had that very unfortunate injury that knocked him out for a few weeks. Carson Kuhlman's finally going to get uh, some playing time, you would assume, in the bottom six, which is, uh, I think we'd all agree, the area that he probably fits more if he's going to be in the National Hockey League on a regular basis. Um, and it looks like he's going to ride shotgun with, Adam Lowry and Morgan Barron, which leaves the combination of Axel Janssen Fialbi, David Gustafson, Kevin Stenland, and Sam Gagne on that third line. And I know at times, the first time I saw this put out, it was Axel, Stenny, and Gagne. Uh, we've then seen Gustafson in the mix. We'll wait for clarity, and hopefully we'll have some audio from Rick Bonus a little later on in the program with the late practice today. Uh, that will give us a little bit more clarity as to how things are looking uh, tomorrow night. So there are your forward lines. And as far as the defense pairing goes, uh, Morrissey and DeMello, Dylan and Pionk, Nate Schmidt and Dylan Sandberg, and Kyle Capabianco and Vili Hainala. Now that could mean that Capo and Hainala are the extras tomorrow and Vili might be out of the lineup with the return of Nate Schmidt. But I do know there was a lot of people that worried that maybe Billy was just going to be straight back down the hall to the Manitoba Moose. And I think it's pretty clear that the way he's played as of late for the Rick Bonus and the Winnipeg Jets, that I don't know now if now is the time to do that. Would you love to see him get an opportunity to continue to play and 
play against a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning? Sure. Um, but as I said, these are good problems to have and very tough decisions for the Winnipeg Jets with all of those players coming back into the lineup seemingly for tomorrow night. Yeah, really excited for the possibility of Nikolai Ehlers coming back. Hasn't well, he played the first like two games of the year. Two games. And then, and then got injured. And you know what type of player uh, what type of player here is. We actually had power play lines too. Uh, Ken Weeb tweeting them out, Hustler. And I just had them. Well, we all read them. I can't find the tweet, but... Uh, we had PP1, Ehlers, Morrissey, Connor, Shifley, Dubois. Um, there's that power play in the second power play as well. Perfetti, Pionk, Schmidt, Wheeler, and Lowry. So, I mean, we saw the power play too yesterday. A bunch, you know, who's on there? Like Stenny and who Brandon Dillon was getting some power play time. And, I mean, this is both power uh, well, At one point in the last game, Capobianco and Hanela were both out on yeah. PP2 together. So this is, uh, you can see this team coming back to health in a good time as you've got Tampa Bay Lightning, who are going to be hungry after losing yesterday to in Minnesota. Um, it was 4-1 or 5-1 with an empty netter. Um, so and the Jets lineup looking looking solid Hus. I mean you got to be pumped to see this top six back well for sure and I'll tell you what is really interesting um and the one thing that we weren't entirely sure I mean listen Nikolai Ehlers coming back was going to be on the in the top six um which line he fit in I think was somewhat up for debate and I kind of pointed out this is not the first time where Nikolai Ehlers has played with Pierre-Luc Dubois and in the past they've had extended time together and again, this was more so in pre-Bones days. Um, but without great results, without the results that you maybe would have expected from two players that are that good that have had as great success with other players. Right now, though, Dubois and Connor are rolling. And you add in Nikolai Ehlers to that group, I mean, that is an absolutely deadly line. And I would say certainly on paper, that would be the Jets' number one line. And, Remo, the matchups tomorrow night are going to be fascinating with Bones having the last change in that, you know, Perfetti, Shifley, and Wheeler. And, again, I mean, <laughs> against a team like Tampa that is as deep as they are, maybe not as important because, you know, you're going to have tough matchups everywhere. But if the Mark Shifley line with Wheeler and Perfetti is the second lineup off the bench, and the top shutdown lines are taking on Con uh, Connor Dubois and Ehlers. I think we could see a real nice run for that lineup because, um, you know, as we've seen before, they have played well together. They've had some great success this season, and this is just an entirely different situation for Rick Bonus, considering what he had at his disposal over the course of the past month and more with Nikolai Ehlers as opposed to what he'll be able to throw over the boards tomorrow night and when he does it and how he manipulates his lines, you know, line matching tomorrow night. Yeah, we joked before the show, Hustler, that this is like the first time in a while we've been deeply analyzing the line pairings and combinations and all that just because the last couple of games it was like, okay, who's who's available at this point? And now seemingly everyone is... Um, and we're, we're going with this. One thing that we're noting, uh, we said yesterday, Kevin Stanland uh, not going anywhere. I mean, he's solidified himself right now. Fourth line center, Sam Gagne on that right side with the AJF and mm. Gus rotating. And I wonder how that's going to shake out. Um, who, what was Bone saying last week about Gus? Like, he's been, he's been okay. Meanwhile, Axel's been firing the puck on net. Uh, and Gus uh, really hasn't been on the score sheet. 
uh, last couple of games, but you know that he can play, you know, solid defensively. I, I think we're going to see Steny at center. Yeah. I think we're going to see Axel Janssen Fialbi on the wing. I think that we will then see Sam Gagne and Gus sort of swap in and out over the course. And that's not a bad thing for Sam Gagne um, to maybe play a few less games. And again, like we said about the last game for the Winnipeg Jets, Reem, this is a huge opportunity for many of those players to, you know, make their final push that they needed to be part of this lineup when it got healthy. And it will get healthier later on. I mean, Mason Appleton is going to, you know, return at some point. And, you know, I'm not sure whether he just immediately goes right back to the side of Adam Lowry and Morgan Bear. And I guess we'll see what happens with Carson Kuhlman um, when he gets the opportunity to play there tomorrow. Um, but I think when you look at that fourth line right now, Kevin Stenlin's absolutely in the lineup right now. And Axel, the way he's played as of late, especially on the PK, I think he's staying in. So I think we will sort of see maybe a little bit of a back and forth between Gagne and Gus for that final forward spot, assuming the team is going with 12 and uh, twelve and 6. Yeah, they're kind of going with the uh, what, last man in, first, first out, so... Um, they do have some other decisions, as you said, Appleton and Menelainen. And also, Logan Stanley's kind of lurking. And uh, then that could trigger some other decisions on defense, too. So they're not, you know, all 100% back. But, I mean, this is a big improvement from what we've seen in, in the health uh, department. Yeah, and you know what? It'll be really interesting to see if the strong play of Billy Hanel recently has you know, maybe allowed him to rise up the depth chart. I mean, uh, you mentioned Logan Stanley. Obviously, that is not imminent right now. But when he does come back and is activated, assuming they stay right now with 13 forwards and eight defensemen on the lineup, um, you know, at some point, someone's going to need to go. And we'd speculated maybe we'll see Kyle Capobianco at some point get put on waivers and be that extra guy if they've got the confidence in Ville Hanel. Certainly, the future is with Ville, but... If they feel he's giving more than Capobianco is when he's in the lineup right now, can you have the luxury of holding on to that extra defenseman without him playing? That being said, it's been a while since that entire group has been entirely healthy. So we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that when uh, when the time comes. You know what, Rima? We'll, we'll wait for the skills comp a little later on. We can have some fun after Marat goes on because I sure. think we got to talk about this win last night for Canada over the United States oh, right. as well. And man was not a great start for Canada. I mean, full credit to the Yanks, the way they came out. I believe it was 9 nothing in shots at some point, and they had already taken the lead early on. Uh, a 2 nothing lead early, and then guess who? Connor Bedard getting Canada on the scoreboard, and they sort of were off to the races from, from there. But I will say, two very, very tight controversial coaches challenge calls on United States goals that both went Canada's ways had a lot of our friends south of the border not too pleased I can't say that they got the calls wrong but holy smokes in this with the stakes as high as they were and the situation that they were I did not envy the guys that had to make that call especially considering the rabid crowd there in Halifax supporting the home team yeah, it seemed to me, Hus, you know, the IIHF has different goalie interference rules than the NHL. And it's not the first time that IIHF has had a different standard of officiating. And you can't get in there and, you know, in the goalie's crease and make contact with the goalie. Doesn't matter. 
as unfair as it may seem that if a defender, you know, pushes the offensive player into the goalie, uh, it's still goalie interference. So, um, it's yeah. I mean, it comes it comes down to in the rule book right here. If a player makes contact, uh, and you expect any goal scorer to be disallowed, so uh, they, according to the rule book, they got it right. Mm. Now, uh, look, we've all seen the NHL that you know when the defender pushes the guy in, they they call it off. Not the case yesterday. So look, we all wanted Canada to win. Said the puck line on the end of the show yesterday. So hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna those two disallowed goals were big for the puck line. Yeah. I'm not gonna disagree uh on that for on that first one here if it's going with the rules. Seems like the rules applied correctly. Yeah, well listen, I wasn't expecting to hear many dissenting voices here on Winnipeg Sports Talker in the cha- or in the chat today about two goals that went in Canada's favor in a Canada-USA game at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Um, I'll say this, though, Reem, and again, you know, I watch these games, and, you know, you're pulling for your country, but, I mean, it's a really fun event, and certainly for hockey nerds, you get a chance to see a lot of these players that we project to be NHLers in the future. And, you know, Team USA had uh, a particular focus from many of us because of two Jet first-rounders, that we're playing on the squad. And of course, Chaz Lucius has had a nice tournament, but Rucker McGrory was the guy that I was really watching closely last night. And I, I got to tell you, dude, my big takeaway from last night's game and watching him play what he's able to do offensively, but also the passion that he plays, the bulldog he is on the ice. I cannot wait for that guy to get here and be a Winnipeg jet. I think his left, I'm, I'm going to call it right now in three years, he might be the most popular member of the Winnipeg Jets. This is a guy that is going to be, I think, loved by the fans and the exact sort of player. And we talked about this when he was selected, both with his personality, his leadership, the fact that he's been a captain on every single team. This is a guy that, as long as you can play, has all the intangibles of someone that will be, uh, that could be an absolute mainstay for this hockey club. And he looked really good on the ice last night, but, uh, I got to tell you, I think Winnipeg Jet fans should be particularly excited about his prospects when he finally does become an NHLer here in the peg. There's been some questions about his skating. We know he's worked on that, but he has a, what a great personality. He's came on the show. We know he's great to talk to. He's been a leader on teams. He had, a, you know, he had a post there. Uh, I think it was was second period or or late in the game where you know tried to make him the game close. So I agree with you. He seems to have a guy who can be an all-around type of player. Um, you know, maybe not the flashiest guy, but a guy who can contribute, what, off the ice and on as well. And it was funny. It was like, well. He's made some flashy plays, though. I mean, that between the legs, no-look pass earlier in the tournament. I mean, this is a guy. It was weird. Like, I, I remember we had some scouts on talking about him. And, you know, it was sort of like he was a gritty, grinding power forward. I mean, this guy can score goals. He's got a hell of a shot. He's got great offensive flair. The knock on him has been his skating. They said the same thing about Cole Perfetti. And I got to tell you, Cole Perfetti is looking like he's turning into a pretty nice NHLer as well. Hey, it is a speed game right now, and that's something that a young player is going to have to continue to work on. But this kid seems like he is the total package, Reem. And I'm just looking after I mentioned Rutger in chat for those listening on the podcast. T. Conopoli, Rutgers, my guy, Gilbert Marion, captain in seven years, Phyllis Rutgers, a firecracker out there. Um, there's a, there's another one. Rutgers reminds me of Kachuk. Um, 
Listen, I thought Chaz Lucius looked like he's a he's a really dangerous player. Um, and man, he had a couple real nice chances last night. But McGrory is a player. I mean, if you're a Winnipeg Jet fan, obviously you won't have the opportunity to see them again in the tournament. They've got the third place game this afternoon. Um, but you know, as far as playing up against Canada, um, I'm gonna have to take in a few Michigan Wolverine games. I think on the tube or on the stream over the course of this uh, second half of this season, and then it'd be really interesting. I mean, Chaz Lucius played one year at Minnesota and then turned pro. I do wonder if Rucker McGrory may be a one and done player and turn pro next season, or whether. He'll maybe spend another year or two at the NCAA. Uh, that being said, I hope it's sooner as opposed to later because this guy is going to be fun to watch when he becomes a Winnipeg Jet. Ooh, one and done. I'm trying to remember uh, Andrew Kopp. Remember when he signed at the end of the season and like came in for like one game to kick in uh, the contract? It's another guy who went to Michigan. I get a kick out of us, all the like bloodlines at this tournament. He's playing with... Oh. Jackson, Jackson Blake, uh, Jason Blake's. He was son. the other guy to have a disallowed goal last night. Yeah, I mean, I get this watching like NFL, and NBA. It always amazes me. It makes you feel so old. Uh, every like guy, every player is like somebody's son. <laughs> um, it's although Luke Hughes is like two NHLers' brothers. So, yeah, Brian um, Savage's kids playing on the team as well. Yeah, it's. Hadn't, hadn't thought of Brian Savage in a long time. And that's the fun thing. Sure enough, we get to the hockey DB. We're like, you know, he played eight years for the Montreal Canadiens, Brian Savage. Yeah, he was, he was a solid player for them. And then went to Phoenix and played for the Coyotes. And I guess what would have been, I guess, year five, I think it was the 0-2000-2001 uh, year. Shane Doan was still there. Tepo Newman. Claude Lemieux played 82 games one season for the Phoenix Coyotes as well. Uh, but you can really you can end up going down a serious serious tunnel uh, on hockey DB once you start talking about players, especially on that U.S. Junior team and their famous fathers. Uh, there was plenty of that yesterday. Yeah, and it's been it seems like a great tournament. The um, the crowd in Halifax is awesome, and I think we've been saying this for a while, Hus, that they've got to get the tournament out of Toronto. You know, enough of Edmonton. Put it in a you know a junior market. Their capacity has been great, even for the non-Canada games. You have to think this is a total success in Halifax. And I wonder if they go there, or they go to like Red Deer. Some people floating Victoria. Um, although I did see some officials from US. It was John Morosi reporting Minneapolis and Detroit interested. Um, I know they alternate you know North America and Europe for the tournament, but I mean Halifax yeah, as, as long as it's close to the border. Yeah, yeah, as long as, <laughs> but Halifax has, um, I mean, great show and great as a as a host and a great, and I've been to Halifax, great city, so uh, nice to see them uh, just in the center of all this, and it's just, the rink has just been, you, you heard on the broadcast how loud it is. I, I've railed on this a number of times. I mean, we all remember how incredible the, uh, what was it, the 99 tournament was here in Winnipeg, the tournament in Red Deer. That was the height. That's what made the World Juniors the event that it has become. Not to mention some great television coverage from TSN, which basically almost, I don't want to say invented this event, but I mean, they made it, they made it a, the big deal that it is. The minute Hockey Canada started going back and forth between Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver and of course Edmonton, um, you know, it lost some of the luster that what that event was. It was all about the money. They were charging ridiculous ticket prices and they almost killed the goose 
that laid the golden egg. I mean, I think back to the empty seats in Montreal. I mean, it was just an absolute embarrassment because there was still passion for this tournament. There was fans that wanted to do it, but, um, you know, it's still junior hockey. And um, listen, they've made a lot of money. They've done incredible with their branding. But I think there was a real oversight of what the purpose of this tournament was, what had made it what it was. And uh, it is just great to see it back in Halifax. And a huge, huge shout out to the fans that have made this event uh, such a great one. Speaking of ticket demand, I know on StubHub Hustler, the ticket prices for this gold medal game, uh, it's getting up there as I pull it up here. Are you ready to hear... Yeah, what's our get-in price tonight if we want okay. to show up in Halifax if, and uh, get You to want to game? show up in Halifax, two tickets, get-in price, uh, not bad, uh, 1100 bucks, 1150 for junior hockey. <laughs> I mean, that, it is the gold medal game. And, it's in the you upper know, deck. That's like one, one, uh, a few pair of tickets. Put it this way, I don't think there'll be many tickets being sold for this game tonight. I think that's the people that bought their packages and had the gold medal game I think are going to be there. They're going to be wearing red and white, and you're going to see whether Canada can beat the Czechs after, of course, the Czechs had that great start of the tournament and beat Canada in the opening game. We'll hit the cool bet lines a little later on, but I can tell you that um, that Canada is another big favorite despite losing to, uh, to them a little earlier on. Um, hey, just speaking of tickets, by the way, and someone just mentioned this in, uh, in chat, and Royke's going to jump on right away. Schickster asking, does anyone know if and where the U of, M, U of M versus Ukraine game on Monday will be streamed? Have relatives there who want to watch? I've heard, and Schickster, we'll get some confirmation yes, it, on this for you. I, I but I believe this is, this is, is this going to be streamed or is this going to be televised back in Ukraine? Um, I know that CanadaWest.tv, someone already asked me about this um, when I posted the interview with Gore, they wrote in the comments, is this, and it's on, already scheduled on their website, canadawest.tv. You go to January 9, they already have it scheduled. And I know a lot of the games on there, you have to, um, hey, this one's already scheduled. So I'm going to throw the link in the chat right now. But also, if people want to go to the game, we are giving yes. away tickets through our website, uh, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Or go to winnipegsportstalk.com and click on the contest at the top. And you can enter a number of ways to get additional entries. And I'll give them away, um, you know, Saturday morning. I will email out uh, the winners. We have a couple of tickets, uh, pairs. Well, you know, why don't we do it on Friday, even on the show? We can, uh, you can announce. I mean, I guess, oh, I guess today's Thursday. Today's yeah. Thursday, so I want to give podcasts. I'll send yeah. out the. Uh, sorry, I was feeling it's Wednesday this no. weird. <laughs> we, we got <laughs> the, yeah, the we got the tickets a bit later than we thought, so. Uh, there you go. Uh, but yeah, winnipegsports.com slash contest, or just go to the page. As Rima said, hit on the contest tab, get in there. And um, we've got like eight or nine pairs to give away uh, for uh, for that game. Monday night, uh, it's going to be a slow night. I mean, if you're a big college football fan, there'll be the national championship game. But other than that, not much going on. And uh, obviously, I think it's going to be a really special event um, for the Ukrainians. That'd be a great opportunity for the Bisons. And I think a lot of people will maybe open their eyes to how good a quality youth sports hockey is right now. Uh, but also, I mean, let's face it, we know what's happening in Ukraine and how that has affected Winnipeg and how many Ukrainians have come here fleeing the war. 
Um, I have a feeling that's going to be a real special night at Canada Life Centre. And, of course, the money. Uh, ticket masters waived all their fees. I mean, all this money is going to support Ukraine. So even if you don't win the tickets, get out there, support the event. It should be it should be great. All right. Um, we've got lots to chop up with Brandon Rowicki, and we'll do that in just a minute. Uh, I got to give a big shout out to Joe and Consolidated Supply. And again, Winnipeg Walter, your 2022 Marbles Tournament of Champions winner. Uh, working on those tickets for you, Walter. We'll be in touch in the next week or so with some details on uh, where you're going to be for the Bomber Games next season. Uh, but Consolidated Supply is back and ready for 2023. Check out their website at cte.ca on everything they can do for you. And your business, your first choice for uh, engine parks, irrigation, artificial turf, outdoor kitchens, hot tubs, and of course, golf cars as the club car dealer here in Manitoba. Pop by and see Joe Spicy and the gang, our guys, 1395 Niaqua Road East. And again, online, cte.ca. Um, a huge thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace. Cannot wait to announce our second unsung hero either tomorrow or maybe on monday um but of course this is going to be running through this month as well so you still have time to send us an email letting us know about that community hero in your life or in your community that you know maybe deserves a little bit of recognition but they would never do that for themselves people that are spending a lot of time volunteering for charities tons of people spending hours and hours volunteering within minor sports programs here in our community that make the games happen for all of our kids and family members that are taking place um and then there's other people that are just doing kind acts for folks that need it, whether it's on the block or in their community. Tell us about them. Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com is where you send the email. Our Unsung Hero each month is going to win an autographed jersey from Jetstar defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will be making a $500 donation in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who nominated the Unsung Hero to the Dream Factory. And that is going to be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey. So raising some money for the Dream Factory, recognizing community heroes. It is one of the best programs I think we've ever been a part of. Huge thanks to Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey for their part in it. And again, unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Let us know about those community heroes so we can talk about them on the program. And hey, just before we get to Brandon, a lot of people sick right now. A lot of people trying to grind into 2023, myself included. Uh, might be a great time for a trip down to Vita Health Fresh Market. Hey, if you're looking for great prices on natural or organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, Vita Health is the place. Of course, a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. But here's the key bit. If you're battling a cold and a sore throat, it's never been easier with Colflex Oregano Spray. Made locally by Inatech Nutrition, Colflex Oregano Spray helps relieve coughs and sore throats and it helps to maintain immune function. Get yours today at any Vita Health location. And hey, if you're celebrating a sober January or veganuary, 
you'll find a fantastic selection of non-alcoholic beverages and vegan and plant-based options at Vita Health Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. All right, first time in 2023, we bring in our pal, Brandon Rowicki. Rue, what's up? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you and all the WST listeners. I, I guess Remo, too. Um, doing good, man. Doing good. So the, the New Year started off on a, on a hell of a note, too. That was... That was a fun Jets game we saw a couple days ago. And now this this Friday one. I'm, how can you not? This might be the most anticipated game of the year, isn't it? I'll tell you what. I've spent all morning just thinking about the millions of storylines going into it. I mean, first and foremost, if you see the NHL power poll right now of, uh, you know, where teams are at in the league, I think the Jets are six and Lightning are seven or vice versa and the one that the NHL put out. I mean, first and foremost, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I would – think we can still say are the measuring stick team in the NHL. I mean, considering what they've done over the last three years, they'll probably be in an ordinary mood after losing the Minnesota wild last night. So it will be an incredible test. Crazy thing about this game, Brandon, and I can't ever remember a team that has been so decimated, gets so many key important players back at the same time. I mean, the reports from practice today, I'm sure the guys were, you know, jumping over each other to be the first one to tweet out the lines because, to be perfectly honest, there was so much intrigue as to where's Nikolai Ehlers going? Is Blake Wheeler back? Uh, Cole Perfetti, how is he looking? Nate Schmidt as well, and it really is all happening at once heading into tomorrow's game against the Lightning. It's like a whole new team. It's crazy. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Four, it's four, right? Four high-impact guys all coming back in at the same time. It, it, it's wild. And, and look, it might the game against Tampa might not end up well because we see all – Just it's weird in, in, in all sports, really. You get a bunch of guys back, and sometimes it takes a, a game or two for everybody to get back in stride here. But I, I just don't get how you can't be jacked for this, right? Like, it's you're, you're, you're getting so close to seeing this team at full strength really for the first time all season. And we're, we're halfway through the year because even when guys were relatively healthy, like, I mean, Ehlers played a handful of minutes. Rick Bonus wasn't even behind the bench for those games, right? Like, they've either had a coach or significant yeah, Is he familiar with Nikolai Ehlers? And yeah, he do? he's going he's gonna to see him out there and be like, totally we forgot about that. Here. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy the Jets are where they are in the standings, and it's crazy they've done that without – having everybody there together all at once. And and so it's it was just weird seeing the lines being tweeted out and like, oh my gosh, they they don't have a guy that started the year with the moose in the top six right now. Like they've, they've got all NHLers really littering the top half of their lineup. So look, it, it might not come at full impact in this game against Tampa. It's just fun as hell to see them all back together for a game finally. Well, no doubt about it. And listen, just before we break this down and get your thoughts on the way things will look, at least to begin the game, uh, what a difference a week makes, huh? I mean, you know, the team had played so well and so hard through the month of December with all these injuries. I think when the team lost a couple of games heading into Christmas and tough spots in very close games, um, you said, hey, this is going to happen. Probably didn't love the game against the Minnesota Wild coming out of the Christmas break. And all of a sudden, you know, the team's only eight games above 500. And, the, you know, the standings had really sort of compacted in the Central Division. What a difference a week makes. I mean, without these players coming back, you beat the Vancouver Canucks at home, you go on the road, grab two on New Year's Eve, and then follow that up with another big win against Calgary. I mean, 
clean two points against other teams in the Western Conference. I can't imagine a better way to start off the new year. And to be honest, set the tone of the table that these guys coming back into the lineup better be ready to go because this team's already playing winning hockey. Yeah, yeah. To, to me, it was the, the New Year's Eve game that was the big one, right? That, that that was, I think, the one that really turned everything on its head there because, I mean, the Canucks are, are where they are right now. They're a bit of a dumpster fire. You know, JT Miller trying to attack his backup goalie, right? Like, they're, they're, they're just in a different realm. But to go into Edmonton, right, and you lose that one, and then it's like, oh, we lost four or five. The Oilers are right back behind us. You know, the playoff race tightens up. Like to, to go in there and Hellebuck to play as well as he did and, and, and the team to just grit and, and gutsy one out there, that to me is maybe the biggest sign that, okay, this team's for real now. Like the, the, there, there's not – I hesitate to say this with certainty because things can happen, but it doesn't appear as if there's a lengthy losing skid in this club's DNA. Like They would have folded under adversity – the previous two seasons and they they seem to thrive on it now it, it's awesome to watch and and even that game against calgary to me in that that last 90 seconds or so morgan baron makes that play down low kill, kills off what was it like 20 25 seconds and then gets yeah. an icing on top of it and then with two seconds to go adam lowry makes not a desperation block but a, a diving block to prevent one last shot going towards connor hellebuck there you, you just didn't see plays happened with this team like that in the past and and now they're doing those little things that you know previous years they would have dropped the game in regulation tied go to ot and they only pick up one point on the night now they're doing it where they pick up the full two points but at the same time they're you know like you mentioned giving the other team a bagel and and that's where things can become a little more relaxed when we're talking about the playoff race heading into the second half of the year so yeah, I, I I would say if you weren't a believer and you were maybe just, you know, sitting back on the fence a little bit to see how this team performed in, in December and in January, I I think it's it's fair to say you can jump on the bandwagon right now because this this club is uh, it, it's legit. I wouldn't say high end cup contender or anything like that, but playoff team. Hell yeah, this, this is a team that can make some noise come the postseason. Well, exactly. And to be honest, I mean, we all have our conversations on shows like this. Who are the big cup contenders? Guess what? It doesn't freaking matter in the beginning of January, folks. There's a lot of things that can change. What does matter is what you've earned so far. And the Winnipeg Jets have earned a lot in the standings. And I think a lot of goodwill with some fans that I think were pretty much on the fence about this club going into the season. I mean, it starts with Rick Bonus, but there's a number of guys that have stepped up their game. And Brandon, that's what made Tuesday's game against the Flames so interesting in that everybody knew that these guys were coming back. And there's been a lot of players that frankly probably deserve to stick around and be in the lineup with what they've done given their opportunities. It was one more chance for players that were maybe in that bottom six that were with the Moose a month ago to show what they can do and make their final pitch to sticking around in that lineup. And I don't think there's been a better example of that than Kevin Stenland um, so far. Um, but, I mean, a lot of those guys stepped up, strong, strong games in, in both ends. Um, and then that gave some real tough decisions, I'm sure, for Rick Bonus and Kevin Sheveldayoff when figuring out, okay, how are we handling this? Well, we found out so far... Jansen Harkins is with the Moose. Christian Reichel just went back to the Moose. And just before, I'll give Jacob Stoller a credit for uh, 
tweeting this out first via a source, uh, but Elliot Friedman has confirmed that Mikey Esamont is the next guy to go on waivers and presumably back to the Manitoba Moose, and that cannot be a surprise, I don't think, based on where he was and, of course, not playing when the team went uh, 11-7 and on Tuesday night against the Flames. Yeah, and, and what's kind of cool about all this, and I, I think Big Sten's the 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 greatest example of this, is that <laughs> and I talked about this on, on Skates and Plates in our last episode, but he he entered the year, what would you say, like 15th, 16th on the depth chart in the organization for forwards? Like, huh. like way, like it wasn't like he was a, a last cut, you know, 12, 13. Like he was way, way down the list. And he gets his opportunity courtesy of a, a crazy amount of injuries for sure. But he's given a legitimate chance by by Rick Bonus, and he's gone out there and he's he's taken it away from a second round pick, right? Like he, usually teams tend to to lean a little bit towards you know we invested a, a pretty high draft spot in this kid. Let's let's you know let him play his way out of it. They're allowing guys to come in from from the minors and and play their way into the lineup. And if they if they've earned it and they've warranted with their playing time. Hey, that, that's your spot until you give us reason otherwise. And I think that's really neat. And I think that's been a big part of why this team has been able to stay afloat through to injury is, you know, they're, they're not just playing guys to play them. You know, if, if you go out there and do your job, you're going to be rewarded. And I think that's been really cool with, with Kevin Stenland, who I, I wonder what was going through his head late in the game against Calgary when he's on the half wall on Ovechkin Island on the second power play unit. I don't know if it, in his wildest dreams, he figured he would be the, uh, the target guy on an NHL power play just a couple months into the season. Well, but and, and, and let's not forget, I think he had two or three shifts in the final five minutes when they're holding on to that lead. Yeah. I mean, he's been a great story and, and I'm with you and you know what, maybe, and I will include myself in this list, but I think a lot of people, especially fans that were so kind of negative going into the season, um, you know, underestimated some of the players that the jets did add to the organization and the depth of it. And, Listen, a huge part of it is Rick Bonus. I mean, you and, and listen, the injuries too. I mean, if these opportunities don't come up, we're not having this conversation. That being said, if you paid attention to what's happening down the hall with the Manitoba Moose, I think we've seen a guy that certainly was showing that he was a high-end AHL player that had a lot of things that I think he could bring to the National Hockey League uh, Hockey League um, uh, team and flourish. Um, and it's not like the guy hasn't played in the league before. I mean, he's got plenty of experience with the Columbus Blue Jackets over the last few seasons, but had sort of been a tweener between the AHL and the NHL. And he has got an opportunity. He's made the most of it. And I have no doubt he'll be in the lineup. And I think barring any big change or injuries, I think he's going to be the guy in the middle after Adam Lowry, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Mark Scheifele. What that does for Gabe Gustafson will be interesting. I mean, it may in fact push him to the press box. But I mean, the way I'm seeing it right now, and I guess maybe we'll go up the lines, but we can start at the bottom. Um, I think Stanley's going to be in the guy in the middle. I think Axel Janssen Fialbi's in the lineup right now with the way he's playing. And I know he has been at the press box briefly earlier in the season, um, but what he's bringing, playing with those guys and the penalty kill, I think has been really important. And I think we're going to get into a situation where you might see one day at Sam Gagne, another day as yeah. David Gustafson based on some matchups. And that's going to be the lineup right now, assuming that Carson Kuhlman, while Mason Appleton is out, continues to get reps with uh, Lowry and Barron, which is the way things look to round out the top six today in practice. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's kind of the cool thing is that it's, I think, going to be strictly performance-based moving forward, right? Like, like Stenland's there right now. 
if his game falls back, you've got David Gustafson, who will be hungry to get back into the lineup to take over that spot. And, and, and that goes for five of the forwards in the bottom six right now, essentially. So I what's been neat is this team we found out now has a lot of depth when it comes to NHL forwards in, in the bottom half of their lineup. Like they, they can, they've got a few fourth lines. I guess maybe that's probably the best way to put it. Now, the key is going to be when you look at what they have right now, I think, is finding a way to improve that third line. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if Carson Kuhlman's going to be the answer there. Um, I, I I don't mind Janssen Fialbi, especially if it's going to be in a checking role, right? And, that, and that's going to be your shutdown line. I think he's proven to be pretty adept in that situation. But whether it's Appleton coming in or maybe finding finding a guy to, to pair with Mason Appleton and Adam Lowry on that third line, that, that to me is the that's the wish list up front right now for the Jets. Assuming everybody's healthy, and that might be a a fool's uh, a fool's move by the end of the year. But assuming full health, that that's kind of the last spot. That this I'll be honest, I don't think front, right? I don't think Morgan Barron's done anything to play his way off of that line. I mean, if anything, and listen, this is an unfortunate reality. Sometimes when you get injured, I mean, you can get Wally pipped, and. Oh, yeah. Mason Appleton's going to have to come back and play his ass off when he gets in the lineup, whether he starts back in his old spot, whether he's on the fourth line, because there's a number of guys that have put their hand up and said, coach, I'm good to go and have got the job done. The one wild card in this is Kuhlman in that, you know, he was picked up off waivers at a time where the Jets had almost, I mean, they had so many holes in the lineup and he was put in a spot that I don't think he's really made for, although I'm sure he had fun doing it, yeah. playing with Mark Shifley yeah. on that line. Um, but I think we're going to really see what Carson Kuhlman is, the player that I think they apparently have been looking at for a long time and feel that he fits into that bottom six in more of a grinding, checking, uh, checking role. Um, and that could be with Adam Lowry depending on what happens, at least for the time being. If Mason Appleton comes back, if Bonus likes him, he'll go into that spot, at least for the time being. And then you've got another possibility for um, for a fourth line that, you know, has had some real good shifts. And listen, the Stenland numbers, I mean, for those people that like to pop in on a game-by-game basis and check out, you know, what the shot share was and all those things, I mean, they have been monsters at times and um, Axel's been a big part of that as well. So good times in the bottom six, a lot of competition and this top six, Brandon looks, I mean, it's 50% different than it was in the last game. Um, Well, let's start it off. What do you think about Ehlers finally getting back into the lineup and going on to the wing with Dubois and Connor? I, I find it interesting for a couple reasons. One, I mean, just on paper, that lineup is that line is so dynamic when you think about what 80 and 81 have done together. There's also some history of Ehlers playing with Dubois in the past that wasn't maybe up to what I think we thought the results would be. Um, what do you think about? Uh, I guess I'll try to keep it PG. I, I don't know how you can't be, be beyond jacked up about it. Like there, there's a certain emoji that kind of came to my mind. I won't throw it out there, but I like squirt, squirt. <laughs> it's like, come on. How, how can you not love this? I mean, Dubois and Connor together, there's clearly something between the two. I don't think we're going to see them split up anytime moving forward. But you saw the numbers they put up with Evgeny Svechnikov beside them the previous season. They've, they've kind of just been thrown like a, a hodgepodge of, of, of bottom six forward. Well, look at the past month. That's I mean, what, let's that's go what down the list of guys that have played at that time. It was Christian that's, Reichel. It was, I mean. And now, now you're going to have 27 flying all over the place to get them the puck, right? 
it, it, I, I don't know. I, I see it and I think to myself, this isn't the team's second line. Like, I, uh, we'll see what the ice time is. But, man, there, there's not a lot of top lines are, that are going to be better than Dubois, Connor, and, and, and Ehlers out there. And then in, in turn, if, if Shifley, Perfetti, Wheeler is going to be your second line. I mean, come on. This, this, this top six is absolutely loaded. And I, I didn't know how they would perform together. You know, more so the the Shifley trio when when they were put together a little while back, but they were really really good, right? And I you might you might have something there, and I think this is going to be really really exciting because you have Adam Lowry playing the best hockey of his career. I would probably say the same with Pierre Luc Dubois, and and Mark Shifley's point production might not show it, but you could probably the say say the same of all three guys right now that this is the the, the peak of their their abilities here. And I, I think this is the group that Kevin Shevoldayev envisioned having when he put them together, I guess, going into last season. And we're, we're starting to see that come into full effect right now. It, it's, it's really, really exciting. And if Dubois, Connor and Ehlers can give you elite top line production in however many minutes they get having, you know, Shifley Wheeler and Perfetti feast on, you know, second, well, third lines is just... I was like, just going right. to ask you that. I mean, you know, from a coaching standpoint, from Rick Bonus, who has been, you know, grabbing his uh, duct tape and uh, whatever to put this lineup together for the last uh, month and has been getting the results, if he can now confidently throw out Shifley Perfetti Wheeler in a two-hole away from the top checkers, I mean, listen, I think those players, especially 55... Uh, and Cole Perfetti can really feast on that. And listen, I can't say enough about Blake Wheeler's season. I mean, the way he's handled everything that happened in training camp, how he's contributed. He's three points off point of game performance as well so far, Brandon. And I know there's a lot of people that thought that Blake Wheeler's days of being a top six forward were done. Uh, that has not been the case so far this year. And the the matchup opportunities, especially on home ice, which we'll get a chance to see tomorrow, it's going to be one of the really fascinating things to watch right out of the gate tomorrow against a team that, um, you know, as we all know, is as deep and well-rounded as uh, almost any in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, it's a great test. <laughs> if you want to see how they do against second and, and, and third lines, well, there's some pretty good second and third lines out there in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, I, I'm intrigued. And it's interesting, too, because we know from his history in Dallas – you know, once Hintz, Pavelski, and Robertson were put together, he he wasn't afraid to lean on those guys in a in a big, big way, despite having, you know, Sagan and Ben, you know, not the guys they once were, but big names with that team and and their places inside that locker room. He wasn't afraid to give them, you know, second billing and and lean heavily on those guys. So I, I wonder I wonder if he has a group in mind that's gonna be his quote unquote first line but this is yeah this is a great test to see how they do with that and then going up against you know Hedman's not having the the best season of his career which you know makes him a mere mortal and instead of a, a god out there but to, to to kind of test things out against a team like Tampa Bay a goalie like Vasilevsky too it's a it's a, it, it's a great first step so we'll see how it goes against them um but I I, I don't have a sense as to who's going to be the the number one line in terms of, of minutes, maybe it will be just, you know, 50-50 split between those top two lines, but you should get a pretty good sense of that tonight or tomorrow. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the power play is pretty interesting. Did you see that picture of Vili Hainala? Oh, with the, the bones, bones, the bones, the bones uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, we showed that at the start of the show. I've been laughing about that ever since I saw it. Um, but you know what? That young man should have a smile on his face. Um, he has played very, very well over the last three games. And, 
And again, good problems to have. That's what happens on good hockey teams that are deep hockey teams right now. There is, again, if you didn't see it earlier, you popped in a little bit late. Philly with the gold chain with the Bones medallion on it, complete with Rick Bonus's face. Um, listen, it's pretty hard to nitpick on the rest of the group. I mean, the team has been getting the job done, and I know Neil Pionk's a guy that was sort of getting some, some heat. I mean, you look at that game on New Year's Eve, scores one, assists on one. Um, sometimes there's some chaos around his game, but... Um, you know, he's been there as well. Uh, listen, I don't envy the coaching staff for having to decide who is in the lineup right now. All I can tell you that the situation, and I think it's quite clear, the confidence level in the young man from Rick Bonus has increased maybe exponentially over the course of this last stint and last call up for 14. Yeah, I, I thought it was his best game of his NHL career against, against Calgary earlier this week. He just looked... Like finally, I think the I'd thing, said the same thing last Thursday against the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I think finally for me though is he's playing with confidence and he's he's playing the same way he did in the AHL up at the NHL and and maybe that's just getting slowly adjusted to the to, to the quicker pace here um, with the big club. I, I I don't know what it is, but. I've, I've just always felt like he's held back a little bit in, in his previous stints with the club. Like it, there just wasn't that, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to go out there and be me. And you know what? If, it, if it's not good enough, it's not good enough, but I'm, I'm tired of trying to play like somebody else. I, I've just been waiting for that out of him. And I think we're, we're starting to see that in a big way now. And he's being more aggressive, more assertive. I think, I think he's just gotten better in, in each and every zone out there on the ice. And he's getting more and more minutes, more and more responsibilities. It it just sucks that the uh, the reward for that might be a spot in the press box for a game or two. But I, I I don't know what the right move is though. Having said that, you know, like I mean, Sandberg's playing some pretty damn good hockey himself lately. So you're taking somebody out of the lineup right now that that probably doesn't deserve it. But I, you have to put Nate Schmidt back in, I think, because how well he played. You know, for for a large chunk of the season, he was the team's second best defenseman. I would say. So I mean, it's a good spot that the clubs in. And I don't know. It doesn't feel to me the same, the same negativity as it did before when when Hanela would either get sent down or scratched. Like it, it does. I, I feel like you know the coach recognizes that he's taken a big leap, and I think that's important. Mm. And I think the fan base realizes that. You know what? Sure, he's might be coming out of the lineup for for a game or two, but it's it's not a punishment, right? Like it's it's just the way that the club is is situated in terms of of the depth that they have on their blue line. So we'll see if they go if 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 Chevy wants to maybe open up a spot for for a kid or two that that might be a conversation for a different day, but well, the one thing I'll say about that is and I mean this goes back to conversations I had with Craig Heisinger back in the Moose days. I mean, he said, "Hey, if you want to you want to win a championship, you want to have a long playoff run, you need 10 quality defensemen that you feel confident and i think they've now up to that to a dozen uh, now the teams in the national hockey league so in the short term there'll probably be some tough decisions and some guys will eat popcorn as opposed to not being able to play but um they're in a real good spot on the blue line and much like we talked about the fourth line and the guys in the bottom six on tuesday against calgary um, no one's going to be feeling too comfortable that they've just got their spot and it's all good. And competition will, uh, I, I think, um, certainly continue to bring out the best of this club. Very quickly before we go, did you watch Canada USA? And uh, what do you think about this one tonight? 
Did I watch Canada USA? Come on, us. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> um, you were saying they're going no goal on both of the uh, goaltender challenges. Oh well, yeah, the, I mean uh, the, the Americans apparently don't know what goalie interference is, so you get all that crying from down south. I, like it's 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 cute. It's cute that they think they know what's what's going on with the double IHF rules, but they've got no idea. I, I was the thing that jumped out to me is when's the last time a Canadian goalie stole a game for us, right? Like. Oh. That, yeah, that kid. He's had he's had uh, some some rough spots this tourney, but my God, was he ever! He was just outstanding in in that game. And I, I mean, Connor Bedard's carried this team all tourney. Um, it, it's pretty wild that he gets what he, a goal and assist in the game, and he was their third best player. Yeah, like that that was pretty wild to me. That that the kid you know had maybe an off night for him. It's two points, but they had a couple other guys step up in a big way. But I'll tell you what, man, Chechia's Chechia to me has been the best team in this tourney. Bedard's been the best player. This. Uh, they, I, they're going to need the home crowd in a big way here because I think if you're looking at just what's gone out there on the ice, I, I, I think the Czechs should be favored, if not just a, a dead heat in this one. I'll say this: I mean, we're definitely going to uh, hit this in the cool bet lines, but I think people are criminally underrating the Czechs, Man. especially considering what they did. Just we got Marat's coming up right now, so we got to run. But um, I said this off the top. The more I watch Rucker McGrory, the more excited I get for what he is going to be as a Winnipeg Jet. He he is is a total package, um, and a lot of it is intangible. But oh my God, can he shoot the puck? And he's got a special offensive sense in the offensive zone that we've seen in this tournament as well. Sneaky good, sneaky good. And if not for Milich, Lucius could have had a couple goals on on one shift alone. So. Yeah. More reinforcements. That's all we need right now, right? They're, everything's looking rosy with the with the Jets and, and and the depth they've got all over the place. But yeah, I was I was pleasant. McGrory to me was the big surprise because I hadn't you know seen a lot out of him and and he was kind of overshadowed by Brad Lambert. But he had a, a hell of a game himself last night. No doubt about it, Brandon. I'll look forward to the next episode of Skates and Plates, folks. Uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast, make sure you're downloading that on the reg. Be happy New Year again. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have a good one. Great stuff. Uh, there's Brandon Rowicki, host of Skates and Plates. All right. Marat is coming up next. You know, we mentioned Rucker McGordy. It was weird. He was wearing number two, which is a pretty strange number for a forward. Uh, all I know is that when he eventually gets to the National Hockey League and earns a spot with the Winnipeg Jets, there'll be a lot of people figuring out what number he is and going down to Royal Sports to get a new jersey with him on the back. Of course, Royal Sports is the number one sports superstore here in Winnipeg, frankly, almost anywhere. Um, and whatever your fan gear needs, whether it's Jets, whether it's Bombers, and the big Bomber news today, if you were thinking about that 66 jersey and Stanley Bryant, good news, he's back for another year. Royal Sports is the spot course nfl playoffs just around the corner as well grab the uh, merch of your favorite team to get ready for the push for the lombardi trophy royal sports has it all and of course they are the hockey superstore for over 40 years in winnipeg everything from sticks to skate sharpening to all equipment including goaltending it's all there 750 pemina highway royal sports at royal sports pemina on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, hey, guys, if you're into 2023, trying to maybe upgrade a few things in life, how about the wardrobe? But look good, feel good, right? And you're not going to look better anywhere than uh, a trip down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. Um, chinos, casual pants, golf pants, and more. Um, and, of course, custom shirts as well. They do it all. Incredible selection of accessories. And, fellas, if you are uh, 
planning or a part of a wedding coming up this summer? Don't waste your money renting tuxes for one weekend. Talk to the experts at F. They've got a great special for wedding parties where they'll get you a great deal and the guys will get sweet suits that you can use far beyond the big day for you or the guy you're standing up for. And uh, hey, don't forget grads as well. 2023 grad specials on right now. Get planning for that big day coming up this summer at F Apparel. Find out more online at F-E-P-H Apparel. Dot com And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. BP has always been a big supporter of Hockey Canada. I got together with the fellas last night at Boston Pizza for the game. Uh, a few ice cold schooners, some of my favorite wings in town, and the sound on all the screens, or the game on all the screens with big sound. No better place to do it. Pop by your local BP this afternoon for the Canada Czech gold medal game. Or I'll tell you what, if you're staying at home, don't want to go out, bostonpizza.com citywide and province well i don't want to say province-wide delivery but delivery in many of the smaller communities outside of the city as well courtesy of our friends at bp all right for the first time in 2023 let's bring in our good friend marat atesh of the athletic marat how was your new year's what's going on hey um new year's was great real quiet real calm real restorative life is good how are things in your world well, hey, everything's everything's great right now. I mean, uh, it's funny what a it's funny what a week um, can do. Um, you know, we were speaking last week, and it was you know, a little touch and go. Oh, is all these injuries finally catching up to the Winnipeg Jets? They'd lost three games in a row. Uh, I mean, man, from a Jets fan perspective, I mean, you have a big win at home against Vancouver to get things straightened out. You go in and make that New Year's Eve even better taking two points out of Edmonton on Saturday night and then started off in 2023 with a really great team win against the Calgary Flames. And now, Marat, we get ready for the Lightning tomorrow with all of the reinforcements coming back. It, uh, it's it been an amazing first half of the season so far for the Winnipeg Jets. And as we saw last night, the skills competition, both amongst the fan base and I think the team, spirits are high and they should be a very exciting time for this hockey club considering what they've been through and what they they've earned so far through 38 games vibes are good vibes are great you get guys back um, feeling good the team was winning um and Winnipeg proved I think during that stretch that even during those times when you watch them and you wondered with all of those players heard Ehlers, Perfetti, Wheeler go down the list you're wondering how are they going to get their next goal how are they how are they going to manage to outscore teams that have plenty of quality up and down the lineup and yet they figured out a way to win those tight games in three straight uh, right now, I believe. So it's a, it's a good lesson. I think you don't want Winnipeg to have to be that desperate all of the time, but when Calgary was collapsing five guys down into its center slot and you were wondering how would Winnipeg possibly get there, they were game planning and they were figuring it out and they were going low to high and they were sticking to the game plan. Even when they didn't get paid off early, you do that, you get the wins you look at the record, you look at the Josh Morrissey campaign, Josh Norrissey, I should say. Connor Hellebuck's played really well. David Riddick's been good when asked upon. And guys have scored more than enough to, to get them some wins. Now you look at the horizon. They got Tampa Bay tomorrow. That's a tough test. But they play against only one more playoff team between Tampa Bay and February 11th, I think it is. Winnipeg rattles off a whole bunch of non-playoff game or uh, against non-playoff teams. Toronto's the only playoff team until they meet the Kraken on February 14th. This is haymaking season, and guys have gotten back just in time to help out. 
this should be a very happy month of January for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, uh, it, it really is intriguing and a lot of fun. Uh, let me ask you this, um, because I know we're going to focus in on the top six. Um, there's a lot of guys that have really contributed to surviving the month of December uh, and guys that are no longer with the club. I mean, I'll be honest. I was still, I'm still surprised that Jansen Harkins was the first one to go. Um, but Hey, he cleared waivers. He's with the Manitoba Moose. Wouldn't it all be surprised if he comes up a little later on, but then you mix in Christian Reichel, Carson Kuhlman coming out of nowhere, who's still with the club and is now going to finally get an opportunity in the bottom six, where I think his skill set probably fits a little bit more. Um, Mikey Essamont, who is such a big part, he's on waivers today, presumably back to the moose unless someone claims him. And maybe the best story of them all is Kevin Stendland, who, I mean, you'll recall our conversation a couple of weeks ago um, saying, you know what, like he's looked so good so early and doing some of the things that Rick Bonus has harped on that his team needs to be better. Um, wouldn't be surprised that he maybe sticks around. And sure enough, I think he's bumped Gus out of this, out of the center spot there, uh, Marat. And, um, He's going to be a central figure, at least for the, the going uh, going forward. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Wheeler and Ehlers and Cole Perfetti, but there's a lot of guys that maybe weren't in the mix even a month ago that have had a major hand in the Jets being where they are right now while the big boys come back. Absolutely, and we can go one by one. I mean, I have thoughts on all of these guys as well, but I just think that one of the biggest and best storylines about this group of players on the fringes of the roster, whether it's Kevin Stenland, even Jansen Harkins, Michael Essamont, presumably going down, all of these all of these players, and the list is long. It's Akumanalainen when he eventually returns. Um, Axel Jonsson, Fialbi claimed off of waivers. Carson Kuhlman, the same, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Go down the list. I mean, just think of the difference. When you were a kid, this is a, this is a rural Manitoba uh, memory, okay? But being a kid, driving from Pinawa to, to Winnipeg to get to know, uh, to go grocery shopping, whatever, the dis the difference, pardon me, in knowing what the route are, what the directions are when you're driving versus sitting in that passenger seat, enormous, right? You actually do it. You have a piece of it. You remember it. You feel like you're a part of it. It's a forced analogy, but one thing that's happening in Winnipeg right now is all of these fringe roster players have a piece of Winnipeg's success. They don't go and ride the press box for weeks on end, not getting into games. They have, through injuries and through the fact that bonus cycles them in and out fairly quickly, only Kyle Capobianco has a case to say he hasn't gotten in a whole bunch and he's still part of it. This is presumably a playoff team, right, Huss? This is a team that the goal is to win rounds. This is a team that has defied everybody's expectation, but is full value for the playoff position that it holds. If you're going deep, you need everybody to have felt like they were a part of it. You need everybody to have been a part of it, know the roles, know the roots, be able to do all of those things. And circumstances have conspired right now such that these guys do have a piece. They have contributed. They didn't watch the video session and sit on their butt for two weeks. Um, they were out there running the roots and figuring it out. And I honestly think of all the storylines that are going on right now, Look back in you know, March, if everything's still going well, a, into the playoff run and all of those sorts of things, um, we're going to be able to point to these guys having big playoff games and we'll say, well, hey, we knew that they were part of things because of what they did in December. 
Yeah, uh, very, very well put. Um, it has been a team and an organizational win to get through December. And as I said, to finish off, you know, listen, they were still in a great position, even if they didn't have the success in these last three games, considering what they've been through. But man, Marat, for everyone to be jumping on the uh, on the uh, the Twitters to crank out lines, including Ehlers, Wheeler, Perfetti in the top six, Nate Schmidt back on the blue line, in the midst of a three-game winning streak, comfortably in second in the Central Division, and eleven games above five hundred in early January, I think just speaks to the collective buy-in of everyone and the job that Rick Bonus has done. That being said, um. There was a lot of intrigue as to, okay, where does Nikolai Ehlers go? I mean, Rick Bonus hasn't coached a game yet with Nikolai Ehlers in it so far this season. Um, what do you think about Ehlers finding himself on the side of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, who, regardless of who's been on the right wing, have been lethal since being reunited? I mean, I love the words that you just used. I could not conceive. Rick Bonus has not coached a game or had coached a game with, with Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, that blows my mind. I hadn't considered it. Um, and then second of all, I'm kind of on team pump the brakes on Nikolai Ehlers' success right now. And the reason for that is just looking around league history of other guys that have come back from adult, uh, sports hernia surgery, it tends to take a little bit of time. Um, even the ones that get back to their previous level, there's a bit of a, uh, of a I don't want to say a learning curve, but certainly a curve of redevelopment back to having the same speed, same explosiveness, same comfort. So Nick Ehlers, I think he had three points uh, to, to start the season. If he's not cranking out that point per game right off the hop, maybe we pump the brakes on the, oh, no, they don't need him or any of this stuff. Let's be patient. And for that reason, I think that the Connor Dubois landing spot for him is absolutely perfect. That is a duo, like you say, that has succeeded no matter who has played with them. That includes this season. It can. It includes last season. You could put Jansen Harkins there for a couple of games. It worked. Well, he's a Manitoba Moose now, presumably. Evgeny Svechnikov for a stretch of games, it worked. And to have Nikolai Ehlers be able to play on that line, he doesn't have to drive it. Certainly, whatever speed, skill, explosiveness, that early offensive chemistry he had with Kyle Connor when they were playing with Mark Scheifele to start the season, you like that. That's there. But I think it takes just a little bit of pressure off of, of Nick Ehlers to be the guy on, on his line in terms of transition. And that's a good thing as he gets his feet wet and gets back up to speed. Hey, just as an aside, Paul Adet mentioned this in chat. How the hell does Dubois even consider not re-signing with the Jets if he's going to be playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle freaking Connor? I mean, great question, right? I, vibes are good, and I think that I think that that is a top to bottom of the organization. You feel it in the fan base, you feel it in the commentary, and all those sorts of things. That's a great situation, and we don't know what the future holds for a lot of these guys. But I mean, what what is it? It's it's good people, uh, good finances. And good personal, like what would be the pillars of a, of a Pierre-Luc Dubois situation right now? And I mean, the line mates would be there. The winning situation, well, we've seen it. Um, you know, I think he's being very serious when he tells us that it's a tough personal decision, several years of your life. I think his love for Montreal and I think his love of certain things is is very, very real. That's going to be an important part of his, of his decision. But once you start building out those pillars of decision-making, I mean, the difference between what we could say today about that and a year ago has got to have the vibes feeling good. And now I'm just remembering, 
after the win against Calgary, we cruise into the dressing room, right? They're blaring. Um, I think it's a Toronto Blue Jays song that they've used sometimes after win celebrations. It's so loud you can't hear anybody talk. And Pierre-Luc Dubois sitting there with a mischievous grin and complete control over the uh, the playlist in the Jets' room. Like, this guy is a foundational piece of this club right now. From that, rescuing Michael Isamont and, uh, and, uh, and Morgan Barron from the woods the other day. The guy's integrated. I think, uh, I think he's a big part of the team. And vibes are a lot better than they were uh, about a year ago. Yeah, uh, and again, I mean, we've gone over this plenty, but I mean, last year, considering the season that the team had, uh, the vibes, which were a 180 from where they are right now, probably not a great time to convince a guy eight more years of that. Um, very different story right now in a lot of ways, and um, you know, one can only hope that that might help um, get something done with number 80 and keep him around in Winnipeg. Um, Blake Wheeler's back. We've talked about him quite a bit. I mean, I, I can't say enough about the way he's handled what he was dealt with at the beginning of the season, the teammate he's been, and the way that he's played. I mean, there was a lot of people pretty quick to write Blake Wheeler off as a contributing player. Far from the truth so far this season. Just, what, three points off a point-a-game pace. He's going to be back with the guys that he's had the most success with this year, Shifley and Cole Perfetti. And, and I'm interested, we've been talking about this throughout the show, Marat. I mean, the options for Rick Bonus, especially at home with the last change, with those two lines as currently constructed, um, let's just say it's a far cry from what he's been dealing with for the last month or so. But I'll tell you what, when you want to start talking about a team that can compete with the best in the West and the best in the National Hockey League, it's a pretty darn good start to have two lines looking like that. But also, from a coaching standpoint, um, man, Rick Bonus has some options. Absolutely. And let me throw in the third line when we're talking about that, too, because one of the reasons why you can roll them out that top two, those top two lines to your advantage is because Adam Lowry is having a sensational season. This guy is all over the ice offensively, defensively. He's contributing in all of the ways and all the things that we just talked about. The the players, you know, Morgan Barron, for example, Jonsen Fjallby, whomever you're putting in those positions, Carson Kuhlman right now, and you've liked his speed, if not his finishing ability, there's a lot to like in the bottom six. You have that matchup ready line at home, and you get to unlock Shifley or Pierre-Luc Dubois in whatever capacity you like. Um, I think that that's all hand-in-hand. It's all part and parcel. Rick Bonus has been... He's been a bit quick, I'd, I'd say, to mix up the different line combinations where possible. He's been a little bit versatile and, and moves moves guys through, not letting them get too, too, too comfortable uh, over the long haul. Well, right now, I think with all these guys coming back, he wants people as comfortable as possible. So you have the, uh, I want to say anchors in a positive way, Connor and Dubois, well, they get Ehlers, Perfetti, Shifley, Wheeler. We've seen some success from those guys already, and, and you like that combination. I mean... Huss, I tweeted Winnipeg Jets power play too mid-game against Calgary, and I, I think it was Kevin Stenland, uh, was Michael Isamont? No, he didn't play in that game, pardon me. But, like, it was two out of five guys hadn't played in Winnipeg, wasn't weren't on the roster when the season well, began. Billy and Capobianco were the two guys on the point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, right? I mean, my memory, come on, right? And then, and now with these guys, it's, it's borderline murderer's row at least if everybody is uh, firing on all cylinders right out the gate here. Well, and, and listen, we may as well get to Billy. We've had a lot of fun showing off that picture of him wearing the chain with the bones medallion. Um, he should have a smile on his face. He's played very, very well. And I think you could hear Rick Bonus after the game on Calgary 
give him some very deserved praise. And I think that he has done what he's needed to do to earn that next level of trust to be a player, um, you know, on a regular basis. That being said, you mentioned Nate Schmidt. I mean, he's back in the lineup. It's pretty hard to, you know, make a case for many of the guys that have been in the lineup that have been getting it done. Um, You know, it sucks at some point that not everyone can play, but I'm interested in your thoughts on how much Billy has done to improve his personal standing with the coaching staff and what this means for him and the lineup card over the course of the next month. Well, I think it's very meaningful that Winnipeg has sent forwards down and made space in other ways right now to keep Ville with the with the team, with the big club right now. I think that's substantial. And they absolutely, because he doesn't have to go through waivers. They didn't have to do any of this dance. It's his quality that's earned him his spot today. Now, once, you know, Wheeler comes back and all Wheeler um, – Schmidt, Ehlers are all activated. Well, what exact combinations are they going to use? We'll we'll see. Right now, it's meaningful. And, you know, when Bonus was asked a question that sort of had the, well, when Hainala goes down, um, phrasing in it, he interrupted. And he was like, no, well, we'll see what we do on that front. And and Bonus spoke as well to Hainala needing to learn through a large stretch of games because what's left for him is making his decisions at pace reading the game, making his reads, and and executing with, I want to call it a calm aggressiveness, as opposed to make something crazy happen every time you have the puck. Hainala has been the best version of himself, I think, for the last couple of games here. And it makes me think, it made me ask, well, we hear that the NHL isn't a developmental league, isn't it? Like, and bonus... Of all coaches in the NHL, at his age, he has every right to be the old school. We used to hear this in Winnipeg all the time. Well, it's not a developmental league. We'll send him to the AHL till he's overripe. Bonus took the opposite tack. He said, well, no, that's the lesson that he needs to learn right now. I understand how the cap works. I understand that young players are going to be important parts of the NHL. So I think that there's a lot of young players that need coaching, and we need to be there to prepare them for that. I like the approach that they're taking. Now, did I answer the question of what do they do? Who comes out of the lineup? Absolutely not. Um, but I think he's earned his his way into the conversation. Uh, so I think that the, I think that they're too dependent on the veterans. I don't think you're going to see, you know, if Neil Pionk has another, you know, a, a rough game or um, Nate Schmidt comes in and struggles. I think the veterans are still the the guys who drive this bus from coaching's perspective. But my goodness, it's tough to to write Halenola out of the lineup based on his quality of play. He's not just been the sixth best guy since he's been, and there have been games where he's number two, three, or four in that list. Yeah, well, listen, for sure. And, and I think we all knew that the first thing he needed to do was do what he does well consistently. And I think we've seen that get better from, in my opinion, it's sort of a so-so first game, the first game of the call-up to continued improvement and you know, I said, I was just talking with Brandon and I said after, I think it was maybe to you uh, um, last week after the Vancouver game, was that Billy's best game as a Winnipeg Jet? I thought so. And you could make the same argument Tuesday against the Calgary Flames. He's doing things defensively. I mean, I think we all know that that was a bit of a concern. He's an undersized defenseman. I mean, that part of might have been the reason why he didn't play against the Minnesota Wild. I think they're, you know, they do want to ease him in and put him in a, a, in a spot where he can succeed. Um, but the way that he rubbed out Nazem Kadri in that Calgary game, I think a lot of people remembered that moment that, okay, he's getting in and he is able to get it done. And 
if you have all of that package there, and again, that's not necessarily going to need mean that he's in the lineup each and every night. I really sort of do believe that this is going to work itself out. I mean, it's great to have everyone healthy right now, Murat, but it's highly unlikely that that will be the case going forward. But he's proven on a number of levels. I think the things that he was asked to do, he's come through and done. And and this is why it's interesting about the future of Kyle Capabianco when Logan Stanley does come back is that I always thought that Capobianco might have been some, uh, somewhat of an insurance policy behind guys like Pionk and Morrissey if they were out of the lineup because they weren't 100% sure about Billy. The more sure they are about him, I think they do get to the situation where they potentially expose Capobianco on waivers just due to numbers. He certainly hasn't done anything to play his way off the team or anything like that. No, I mean... Kyle Capobianco has impressed me, to be honest. I, I think the degree to which he's acquitted himself well, he doesn't have, you know, a top four NHL track record necessarily. But, you know, I think 25 years old and the experience that he has, I think he has served him well. He's been able to come in and out and, and do the job that's been asked of him. At the same time, you're not looking at Kyle Capobianco as an absolutely untouchable asset on the Winnipeg Jets. So if the time comes, which presumably it will at some point, um, you know, I, I can see what you're saying in terms of him being the one that gets exposed. It also, I mean, you can look at the minutes that when Winnipeg ran 11 forwards and seven defensemen and uh, Capo Bianco is the one who's, you know, getting just a few shifts as that game goes on as well. I think that that's a that's a nod to where they realistically are in, in the depth chart and in, in the pecking order. I also want to say, I mean... I love the I love the invocation of the Nazem Kadri uh, like elimination on that play. That's supposed to be something that Hanela is incapable of. But I think people sometimes underestimate the amount of physicality, if not size, certainly not size, that Hanela can bring. And uh, and to eliminate Kadri from the play, Win- Winnipeg the puck, Winnipeg goes the other way, and all of a sudden he's assisting on a goal. That's something that he can do. Not against everybody in in the NHL. And where you see it show up is, you know, he's not supposed to be able to protect the front of the net, right? And he's not supposed to be able to have that any of any of those plays made. Uh, well, you know, the Jets have been outshot with Ville Hanela on the ice by a little bit in his few stretches of games. But the expected goals, which did which rely really heavily on where shots come from, are actually in Winnipeg's favor. So Winnipeg's generating more from that central area of the ice partly because he's getting shots through that people can tip, but also partly because they're not getting killed in terms of chance after chance in the slot. Now, is that because he's clearing that puck away or is that because he's making a play somewhere else on the ice that keeps the puck from getting to that? He has a role in fairly defensible, completely solid defensive impact as well so far. So, I mean, let's not get carried away on three games, but they've been three darned good games. Well, and it's funny you bring up that com- that comparison between the shot share to the expected goals. And this is a credit to the coaching staff and obviously Scott O'Neill and uh, the entire group is a big part of this. But there's been games, and I think back to the game against Colorado where, what was it, 40 shots uh, that really came on on Connor Hellebuck? And I went back and rewatched the game. And I mean, with the exception of one or two plays like I never felt like the Winnipeg Jets were really under siege at all and 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 the Jets have turned the tables you will recall last year when the Jets at times would put up 45 shots in a game and they were all from the perimeter none of them were really high danger score quality scoring chances um the Jets have reversed that on a lot of teams right now and 
obviously we're seeing uh, we're seeing the way that's uh, working out for both the individuals that are out there, but also the team. And um, it's been a very interesting development and a big part of what this uh, new system and the buy-in from players uh, to have it. Before we go, Marat, um, you know, it's sort of neat. This is almost like getting a massive trade. I mean, bringing in all of these players uh, in right now, but we now have more of a healthy roster. We'll be looking at the upcoming couple months where the team is. We'll be talking about the trade deadline. One thing I wanted to ask you to explain to people is just the cap ramifications of what the Winnipeg Jets have been through, how close they've been to the cap, the extra guys they've been carrying on the cap, and the fact that they have never been into LTIR, and now they've got a little bit more room. What does that mean going forward, as well as their current situation as it pertains to the salary cap? Yeah, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to tee off on that. I, I, I like getting into the LTIR stuff, and the fact that Winnipeg has not used long-term injured reserve LTIR this season is a huge favor they've done to themselves. And you can go back if you want. If you want to make this a long story, you can go back to the trade deadline of last year when they were able to trade Brian Little's contract away, adding some flexibility. So Winnipeg, I think we're, we're all expecting that these players that were hurt ended up on long-term injured reserve LTIR because we've seen so much of that with Brian Little in the last couple of years. Truth is, no, the Jets didn't put anybody on long-term injured reserve. They put them on ordinary injured reserve not long-term. What does that mean? It means this whole time, this whole season, Winnipeg has been building up cap space. They've had to fit the cap hit of all of their injured players, plus all the guys that they called up. And despite all of that, they still had a little bit of room under the cap maximum. So, you know, when Ehlers gets hurt, they don't put them on long-term injured reserve. They just put them on the ordinary injured reserve. That hurts a little bit because now you have to call up We'll say Michael Isamont, for example, 750K more against the cap. But Winnipeg has never come close or right up against its cap maximum this season um, and has been able to stay under. And every day that you stay under the cap maximum, you get to build up cap space. And Winnipeg has done so this year. They're now a little bit healthier, going to build up even more cap space. So they've been able to stay up, uh, stay under by, you know, as much as one, two million throughout the season. By deadline day, if what we see keeps going, they're going to be able to add a cap hit of you know just over $5 million, according to Cap Friendly right now. That's really substantial stuff. And I'm not sure if I've just done the best job in the world of, of explaining it. The key is Winnipeg never went into long-term injured reserve, which is important because they were able... If you go into LTIR, you cannot build cap space. Not a dollar gets built up over the course of the season. They avoided that, stayed under the cap maximum. They've been building up cap space as a result. Now they just move their players like Ehlers, let's say, from the injured reserve to the regular roster. They send Isamont and Harkins down. And actually, Winnipeg's going to have a little bit more cap space. And like I say, should be able to add, you know, could be close to $5 million at the trade deadline if they really, really wanted to. Marana Tesh of The Athletic with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Just before we go, uh, what do you got cooking for us and Winnipeg Jet fans in uh, The Athletic coming up? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a story I've wanted to work on, and we, we get into injuries sometimes. And, you know, I recruited fan questions to go out to Nate Schmidt. I don't know if you remember that, if I talked too much about that, you know, 
a month ago, something like this. And, you know, fans came out in droves. We had, that, I don't know, was it 100 questions for Nate Schmidt? Because we all know how fun he is to talk to. Uh, so now that he's healthy, we're going to, we're finally going to have the opportunity to sit down and, uh, and go through some of what fans really wanted to know directly from Schmidt. That, that makes me happy. That's, uh, that's a fun one. Got a mailbag coming up. Uh, got a couple of feature stories coming up that I can't really name drop quite yet. Uh, it's been a quiet last few days for me to be 100% honest at the athletic, but we're, uh, we're turning the corner on that. We should be into high gear. Um, and, and I'm excited about that. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Marat, looking forward to it and not uh, looking forward to doing this again with you on the reg throughout 2023 and very excited about the game tomorrow against the Tampa Bay lightning with, uh, all the reinforcements back in the lineup. Uh, have a great one. All the best, my friend. Thank you to us. Great stuff. There is Murata Tesh of the Athletic. All right, um, we uh, we've got to get to the skills competition. Uh, lots of NFL news I want to get to as well, and we are going to hear from Blake Wheeler and Rick Bonus coming up in just a couple of minutes. But I mentioned this a little earlier in passing, but uh, big bomber news today: the big guy himself, maybe outside of Chris Walby, the best offensive lineman. The Bombers, dare I say the CFL scene? Well, the numbers will tell you that way. Bottom line is 66 Stanley Bryant back for another year with the blue and gold. The team announced that today as uh, the gang gets back together for one more cup run and a little bit of unfinished business for 2023 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, our Bomber Reports on Winnipeg Sports Talk are brought to you by our friends at Princess Auto. Cannot wait to get back out to the Princess Auto tailgate zone when things get a little nicer and the Bombers begin next season at IG Field. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and Manitoba's top curling teams, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Check them out at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Um, a big thank you to our friends at Culligan Water and a happy new year to them. New Year's resolution for everyone that I think we can get behind, drink more water. And when you're thinking about water products and water services, the Culligan gang, family owned for over 65 years, has been taking care of Winnipeggers and Manitobans um, for decades. And they do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide water delivery services, and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs, Culligan's got you covered. Pop by and see them, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. And I got a text from my pal James at Canadian Club yesterday to let all of you know and you CC drinkers that there's a couple of great deals. We know you like good deals. Deep discounts on rye this month. The CC Canadian Club Classic 12-year is at an amazing price, the lowest of the year. And there's also a very big discount on a new brand, Rifle Rye, uh, that Beam Suntory just released in October. So go check that out. Big sale prices on CC Classic 12-year and the new Rifle Riot, your local Manitoba liquor marts. And uh, 
Man, shout out to everyone that uh, jumped on those bomber glasses with the Jim Beam promo. Apparently, it went very, very well. Um, great stuff from our friends at Canadian Club and their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Man, this has been a fun show. Um, you know, I know we got a gold medal game coming up a little later on, but I think most of our conversations, certainly considering the games at 5.30 today, have been around the Jets so that it's not dated a little bit. But one of the other things, Reem, was the fact that this was a late practice today after the uh, fun and frivolity of the skills competition, which we'll go through in a minute as well. Uh, but we now have heard from Bones and Blake Wheeler after practice today. Yeah, first time Blake Wheeler has spoken to the media since his injury, and we all remember, uh, you know, how painful of an injury Damn. that was. Uh, just thinking a, about it. Yeah, taking a puck. I'm just, like, getting shivers here. So uh, glad to hear that he's okay and actually back ahead of schedule. And, um, yeah, Bones, you know, just it's amazing to say that, like, his first game coaching – Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, that's that's funny that you mentioned that. Well done. Uh, it is funny. Listen, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Bones in uh, in just a second, but we are going to get to Blake Wheeler. And by the way, shout out to everyone with us in chat. Another great turnout today, live on the YouTube show. If you haven't already, make sure you've hit that red subscribe button and uh, do us a favor, hit the likes. I know Phyllis and Stormy are going to be telling you we got to get up to two hundred today. It's the literally the easiest thing you can do. Just hit the thumbs up button. Helps us spread the channel. Let more Jet fans know about what we've got going on here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But thanks again and again. New Year's resolution for everyone: tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Grab their phone, show them how to subscribe to the channel, and tell them to join us if they are able to live between one and three, or just hit it up in their YouTube feed after hours when we finish the program all right let's get to it we'll hear from coach bones in a minute uh but let's first hear from blake wheeler who as remus just mentioned spoke today for the first time since a very painful injury here is blake wheeler on being back yeah i'm excited you know it's not never easy to watch and obviously with the amount of injuries we've had it's uh it's been tough but uh the guys have done an incredible job just battling every day and you know keeping us afloat and keeping us uh you know in a great position so you know hats off to everyone for all the work they've done to you know keep this thing pointed in the right direction leader if i'm not mistaken his injury was on the 15th of december in that ot win thriller over the nashville predators in a big big divisional game what was even more noteworthy after hearing what happened to Blake was the fact that he was out there late in the third period making some big plays. I mean, a vintage Wheeler power drive to the net that almost got the winning goal at that point. And then to find out that he was playing through that in the third period. But I mean, it was just another level of the legendary toughness of a guy that has been doing it here since 2011 when the team came from Atlanta. But Wheeler was asked about playing in that game through the end of the final buzzer after suffering a very painful injury. Uh, it was a difference between being hurt and being injured, and I didn't know I was injured till the next day. <laughs> Some injury, I... I mean, I don't really know how we can even talk about something like that. It's was it, we don't it's have in to okay. <laughs> <laughs> the reporter needs to ask something, but I mean, that yeah, was, was yeah, 
part of our game is, you know, there's bad bounces, and uh, you know, I've been around a long time and fortunate to have my first year a really good one. So, uh, you know, it was something I don't want to go through again and wouldn't wish on anyone, but uh, just feel really, you know, grateful that our medical staff and the doctors we have here in town, uh, you know, took good care of me and, uh, you know, was able to get uh, get everything taken care of and, and kind of back uh, as soon as I was able to. So, like, once again, you know, a lot of credit goes to, to all the support we have around here. You know, just before we move on from that, um, you know, when that injury happened, uh, we talked about that night in Dallas. I was in the building where he went into the boards or into the open gate, and it looked like it was a really, really serious injury at the end of the season when pretty much the team was all but eliminated, and then he's back out there in the final couple minutes. I mean, that was the moment that I remember saying it on the old station. Uh, I think we found out who the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets is. Um, and it's sort of funny that everything that's transpired over the years, no longer the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. But man, I don't know if there's anyone even in the category of toughness that Blake Wheeler has shown over the years during this decade here in the peg. I mean, he took a puck in the in the balls and uh, came back and played. And it's not the first time. Uh, we he had the great line in the playoffs that I've already had kids, so uh, <laughs> I think I'm good. And I'm not going to need these anymore, right? Um, I mean, incredible that he played and needed surgery. That shows. I mean, he's had so many close calls. I remember he got a puck in the throat. He's been pushed into the post. Guys was an Iron Man. Uh, did, barely missed any games. I, I don't think we're going to fault him. I mean, this isn't like he had a torn. I mean, what was it last year? Sorry, yeah, last year we thought his career was done with his knee injury. He came back soon, and this, you know, back ahead of schedule. And they did ask a bonus just about that, and he just has that drive to want to come back, and um, it's absolutely incredible what he's able to play through. No doubt about it. Right, what, right, one more from 26. Um, yeah, obviously, a lot of excitement around the building today at practice. And uh, Blake Wheeler asked about coming back, but also the team overall getting healthy pretty much all at the same time. Sure, it's a bit of a relief. And I think that's, you know, it's some sometimes kind of a dangerous thing when you get quote unquote healthy again and, uh, you know, you know, take a take a sigh of relief and and uh so that's that's going to be you know our challenge is is not just uh you know looking around the room and seeing healthy bodies and thinking we're okay you know we we uh we, we've established a game that's you know it's challenging to play and requires a lot of hard work and a lot of discipline from everyone so anything short of that and you know we're going to fall short of our expectations for ourselves all right so there's blake wheeler who uh looks to be back with mark shifley and cole perfetti in the top six for tomorrow's game and uh will be playing on the second power play unit, it looks like. Ehlers is going to roll with Connor, uh, with Connor Morrissey, Shifley, and Dubois. And uh, Wheeler, Perfetti, Adam Lowry, Neil Pionk, and Nate Schmidt on PP2. At least that's the way things look today in practice. But uh, let's hear from the 2022 WST Person of the Year. Rick Bonus, Winnipeg Jets head coach, the man they call Bones. He was on a gold medallion around Billy Hanel's neck last night at the uh, skills competition. Um, Bones uh, first off started about uh, getting pretty healthy all at once. Uh, everybody coming back in time for the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow. Looks good. We're very happy to see the bodies back and get them. Uh, we still have one in red, but you can see the... Um, just the speed and the skill and the execution of everything was a lot, a lot quicker. 
So, that, yeah, it's great to see. We'll see what the lineup looks like tomorrow when we make final decisions on how everyone's doing. But certainly uh, to see those guys back and their skill level and their speed, uh, it, it, the pace of practice was up. All right, pace of practice is up. Hey, uh, we talked a lot about the competition that was there in the bottom six trying to hang around. Uh, I have a feeling that the, the, the competition within the team is not ending anytime soon. Um, that being said, as Blake Wheeler said, you know, there is uh, two sides to this. I mean, you certainly don't want to get complacent or uh, feel like, okay, you've, everyone's back now, we're good. Um, Rick Bonus was asked if maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the effect of everyone coming back. You look at a guy like Nick Ehlers, if he's in tomorrow, he hasn't played since October. They're going to need to end. You can miss a couple of weeks and all of a sudden your timing is off and your con conditioning is just not quite where you want it. Uh, the intensity of the games, is, is you haven't felt it for a while. So they're going to need a couple of games. There's just no question about that. And we'll fight our way through it. All right, there's Rick Bonus. I'll tell you what, though, I can personally guarantee the 27, you know, as well as Blake, um, you know, Cole Perfetti, but especially Nikolai Ehlers, considering the fact that, you know, we really have not seen him since opening night against the New York Rangers at Canada Life Centre. Um, but Bones did talk about Wheeler returning ahead of schedule. I mean, that was one of the other things. And I remember earlier on this week, we said, well, what about Wheeler? Well, it's probably going to be a little later on. Well, no, not so. 26 is back in. And uh, Bones did talk about um, their longtime captain coming back ahead of schedule. His will this is really, uh, he is back sooner than we thought. And we got the news yesterday that he was cleared to play, which was shocking to all of us. But I think that just goes back to his uh, his character and his commitment to the team and his will to play. He loves to play. He's, he's you know, it's hard work every day. Um, and so I'll give him a lot of credit because he pushed the envelope. There's no question. And he is back sooner than we thought, which is great news for all of us. All right, a little bit more of Rick Bonus um, uh, from today's media availability after practice. Uh, we'll finish up with the update on Mason Appleton and his timeline. But one more um, on Pierre-Luc Dubois, who <laughs> we talked about just what a, a impactful player he was in many different ways against the Calgary Flames. Um, you know, the, the points that he's putting up playing with Kyle Connors and now Nikolai Ehlers added to the lineup. It's been quite a season for the young man wearing number 80 and uh, Rick Bonus discussed that earlier today at Canada Life Centre. Yeah, he, he's been outstanding and he's, he's he, he keeps getting better. Uh, he's a big, strong, powerful guy and one thing you love about Pierre, he wants the puck. He wants the puck and he wants to make something happen with it. And I love that about him. Uh, he's also been more responsible defensively. Um, you know, like I t tell him and Markler, we want we want to be able to go head to head with the best players in the league. That's a challenge to them, and uh, and they're both responding because they're both playing better 200 foot games. But again, we get on the road or even at home, and you, you want your top players getting the proper minutes. They're not going to sit on the bench hiding from the other line, the other team's checking lines, or their or the other team's top lines. We want to trust everyone to go head to head, no matter who's on the ice. Uh, so, and Pierre's done a great job of that. All right. So there's uh, Rick Bonus. By the way, Reem was telling me that uh, Chaz Lucius just scored. 
in the 3-4 game at the uh, World Junior Championships. One more from Bones, and then we'll get to the highlights of the skills competition last night. Here's uh, Rick Bonus on uh, where Mason Appleton's at in his recovery. He skated yesterday. Uh, you know, he's still he's still a ways away, but the good news was that we could put him on the ice, and he's been doing his off ice conditioning and all of that. But in, and even Logan Stanley skated yesterday briefly, so that, those are good steps for both of them. But that, that's all. The doctor cleared him to skate, uh, certainly not to participate in practice or anything like that. All right. So there's Rick Bonus on uh, Mason Appleton. Speaking of Appleton, Remo, I, oh, you haven't mentioned this. Have you got NHL 23 yet? Have you been playing it? I bought it, but I haven't played it yet, actually. Um, I fired it up the other during the break there, but uh, I haven't. Fi- How come? Why are you, why are you well, asking? Well, I just, I, I had my first games last night, and I normally get killed in fights, uh, but I actually did get into one. Mason Appleton against Barkley Goudreau. Big win for Appleton. Nice. But the the reason I bring this up is that in the course of the fight, he got his helmet knocked off and the red hair. I mean, you want to talk about it's in the game. Appleton's red hair is absolutely perfect in NHL 23. And uh, it was funny seeing Stenny in the starting lineup. I mean, they do a good job of updating those lines. So uh, going to be some good players coming back to the lineup very quickly with the Winnipeg Jets and, Maybe at some point in the new year, we'll have to crank out a little hockey stream at some point. Um, all that being said, Remo, it was a fun night last night over at Canada Life Centre. And um, before we talk about some of the odds and get to the cool bet lines in this World Junior game, uh, let's do a quick recap of uh, the festivities last night and some surprising results. Although a few interesting players not participating in particular events that maybe they would have been favored in. Yeah, I think that was the whole thing. We tried to make our guesses, and there were some, you know, omissions from the events. Um, well, Kyle Connor didn't go in fastest skater. We had him picked for that. Me, I, you know, you hear Trevor Kidd, he's like, oh, no, that guy, you, you could slip and fall and hit yeah. one of the boards. He didn't know. He, Trevor didn't want to see that. Hellebuck was in, uh, he was not doing any goaltending. They had some other goalies from uh, high schools around the uh, city, I think St. Paul's and Balmoral Hall. Uh, you know, get dangled in net, which was cool. You know, that's cool to see. But Hellebuck was throwing some dangles. I think that was a surprise uh, from the event. Uh, who knew that he had those kind of hands? Um, as far as uh, you want to go through the events here. Well, the biggest surprise has to be the fastest skater competition. Yes. And Axel Johnson Fialbi is an absolute burner. We've seen what his speed has done in-game situations since he came here from the Capitals on waivers earlier this season. I was absolutely gobsmacked that the big guy, the man known as Bear in the Jets locker room, Morgan Barron, won the fastest skater. Axel ended up at 16.35. No, 13.65. Sorry, sorry, yeah, 13.65. My dyslexia popping out again. Essimont actually was 13.59. Yeah. But the big guy... All what 220 of Morgan Barron getting around in 1343. Very impressive performance for Morgan Barron winning the Jets' fastest skater. Yeah, one other guy, Josh Morrissey, didn't participate to precautionary, just whatever he's been uh, dealing with. And yeah, Morgan Barron, I mean, this is a guy, Hus, when I did my Nintendo ice hockey lines, I made him a fat guy. And he's the team's fastest yep. skater. Uh, 6'4, 220. This guy can move out there. Uh, pretty impressive, and as you said, yeah, Carson Coleman was there, thirteen seven seven. 
Icymont, as you said, 13.59. Gustafson, 14.09. And we thought, I told you, AJF. I mean, the difference between Baron and AJF is like 0.2. And okay, and who's got long hair that has a little bit of drag? And who doesn't have the long hair that causes all you need us? It's 0.2 seconds. That's the difference. And I believe that he was held back by the hair. But I mean, you got to go for the style points over actually winning. Yeah, it is the skills competition. I mean, uh, we suggested tying it down if you wanted the if you wanted the the the, uh, the title, uh, but didn't get it anyways. Cool story with Morgan Barron, the most outstanding uh, performance by anybody last night, hands down had to be the accuracy shooting. Who knew Adam Lowry was such a sniper? He went four for four and finished it off in 8.563 seconds, Remo. Um, no one else was even close. Kyle Connor, who was my pick, got 13.8. But um, Adam Lowry just simply went up, took four pucks, and ended the thing. Yeah, wow. That's uh, impressive. Uh, Mark Shafley, 17.9. I thought he was going to show well. Gagne, 19.84. Uh, Stanny, I, I actually thought Stanny was the dark horse in this one. Uh, he did pretty, he did okay, uh, 16.969. But yeah, big props to Adam Lowry hitting those targets. And they did tweet out, uh, just over to the Jets, tweet out the videos, put them on their own YouTube page if you want to watch uh, the replay. Yeah, definitely. And the hardest shot, here we go. Billy Hanel got in the hardest shot. He got one at 96.2. Mm-hmm. Brendan Dillon was consistently 95-96. I think his top one was 96.0. Pionk only 91.3, which is actually sort of surprising because in game action, he seems to maybe have a little bit more on his shot. Capo Bianco, 97.6. Dylan DeMello, 98.8. And Dylan Sandberg dropping a beautiful number on the right side of your FM dial, 102.1. Dylan Sandberg, your Jets' hardest shot champion for 2023. Yeah, a big guy. He's got a, got a bomb. Not quite, you know, 107 uh, like Ben Chirot did. Yeah. His legend. I don't think that'll ever ever be Legendary topped. Ben Chirot, Mr. 107. Yeah, ever be taught. But 102, I mean, the only guy on the team to crack 100. Uh, I had Brandon Dillon as one of my picks, just like a big guy. He was out there. Capo Bianco, I don't know if you said him, 97 Point six was his top, but yeah, Villy the small. You know, people say Villy small, but he's got some power behind that shot. Demello too for a guy who doesn't score. So, uh, nice well, to he see doesn't those guys. score because he puts it off his defense partner's ass and in, like we saw on Tuesday with the amazing Dylan Demello to Brendan Dylan deflection goal to get the team on the board. Yeah, it's your, you know, question from uh, Tristan Rivers and Chad: Why the hell are Demello and Sandberg only taking wristers? In the game, I mean, look, you don't have, in a game, you don't have time to like wind up and like lace into a, a stationary puck for a slapper. Look, when when there's time, I think we've seen the Sandberg bomb, and uh, now we'll know when he shoots it that he's got the hardest one on the team. One or two. This is why they need to do this. We need to have a baseline for all these all these guys. So uh, I'm glad that they put on this event. Uh, anyways, the highlight of the entire thing was Danimal's picture that he sent to us that we put on our social media. Of Vili Hainala rocking the Bones gold chain. Um, if you if you aren't already subscribing or following us on Twitter and uh, Instagram, in particular Facebook at Sports Talk WPG, give us a follow and um, you can check that out there. All right, do have to talk NFL for a minute, and we got to get to some odds. 
Uh, but before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to our friends, the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Of course, great sponsors of ours since day one. Uh, and I know it's a little cold outside, but that doesn't mean it's not great blizzard weather. And uh, a blizzard at DQ, always a bit better than a blizzard in Winnipeg for the Winnipeg winter. Uh, four locations in Winnipeg, DQ, Niverville, uh, I guess just outside the city, DQ, Northgate, up on McPhillips, DQ, Polo Park, and DQ, St. Anne's. Um, an amazing selection of both DQ ice cream cakes and blizzard cakes as well. And when you're popping in, maybe to check out those items, make sure you don't sleep on the uh, bacon two cheese stack burger, my personal favorite right now, and the honey barbecue chicken wings. Lots of great food options and the best ice cream treats around at the Nick and Nicky DQ group. And uh, hey, I guess we can all cheers the returning Winnipeg Jets with some of the good stuff. Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. Big, big night tomorrow. Uh, great way to start off the uh, the weekend. We've got two big NFL games on Saturday, including the Chiefs and Raiders Saturday afternoon. We'll get to why that game is so important in a minute. Um, if you are sitting back and cracking a couple, make it Winnipeg's finest. And that, of course, is Little Brown Jug. Pop by and see him at the Brewery and Tap Room on William Avenue in the Exchange or order online for citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, Little Brown Jug, make sure you look for it at your local beer store if you're going to uh, one of your local vendors as well. Um, all right, Rima, we'll get to the, the um, uh, odds in a minute. We do want to touch on this gold medal game tonight. But first and foremost, before I get into the NFL news, um, great news on DeMar Hamlin. This has been the story in sports, certainly North American sports, since Monday night. Um, the uh, shocking cardiac arrest of DeMar Hamlin on the field after a hit from T. Higgins on Monday night football that ended up in the suspension of the game, maybe the big, biggest and most hyped game of the season, and one that had so much importance for the playoffs. Um, but all thoughts for, for that have been secondary the last few days as far as where he's at. We got a physician's update today from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Per them, Damar has shown, quote, remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. That is huge. His lungs continue to heal, and he is making steady progress. Uh, They're grateful for the love and support that we have received. And I'll be honest, Reem. Just the fact that I'm able to read that today, considering where we were Monday night and how scary that incident was, seems like somewhat of a miracle. And I know the, uh, I know I gave you know particular credit to the medical staff that worked on him on the field um, in the jungle in Cincinnati on Monday night. I know there's a particular assistant trainer that's been singled out by uh, the Buffalo Bills for being the one to give the CPR on the field that very likely saved uh, saved Damar Hamlin's life. Um, and there was certainly more than just one person, but it is, uh, it, it's just so great to be able to kind of start looking ahead to these games, knowing that um, Damar Hamlin is going to survive this first and foremost. I certainly wouldn't have been betting that the way things looked on Monday night. And um, there's a lot of credit that deserves to go around, but man, those people that did such a great job saving his life, which they did on a couple of occasions, has given, I think, us uh, everyone a bit better feeling about his personal situation and um, can probably get back to enjoying some NFL football this weekend on such a big week with the stakes being so high for both of those teams. 
Yeah, this is, you know, you're hearing more talk about um, the game that's it's probably not going to be completed. That's what they're saying. And they're going to figure out a way to determine playoff seating and all that. But just hearing, you know, you know, I mean, you're searching for updates. And finally, um, the doctors were comfortable coming forward and doing a press conference. And they said that he's shown amazing improvement. He's able to communicate by writing. He's still in uh, critical condition, but um, the fact when you know, we're reading neurologically intact, I mean, he asked us um, in writing who won the game, and the doctors responded, "You did. You won the game of life." And I, you're just getting chills after saying that, reading this, and it's incredible. Um, the quick work by doctors getting out the AED doing CPR on scene. Uh, what a, I mean, what a story this is, and we'll continue to follow and pray that he makes a, you know, full recovery. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, that is just great news on that. And uh, I wasn't sure that we'd get to that point this week, but uh, here we are. And obviously it's still a long, long road to go, but we're talking about him doing better, getting great care, um, and being alive. And um, I think that's huge for, you know, the players in, in both of those locker rooms. And I think this impacted everyone in the National Football League. I was listening to a little bit of Travis and Jason Kelsey speak on it on their podcast earlier. And, um, I mean, this was uh, this was a moment that touched everyone. I and mean, we know how dangerous this game is. Um, and every now and then, an injury like that puts everything into reality um because a lot of times we as sports fans live in a bit of a fantasy land um all that being said there are games to be played and with what is expected to be the cancellation uh, the suspension the no contest whatever you want to call it uh, uh between the bengals and, and bills it is completely shaken up the playoff picture in the afc uh, if you recall going into that game and part of the reason why it was such a hugely hyped game Cincinnati could have won the division with a win against the Bills the Bills with a win against Cincinnati would have put them one win away from clinching the bye and home field throughout the playoffs because this game does not look like it is going to get finished the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be able to clinch the one seed if they beat the the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday afternoon. Now, everyone would agree, even myself, a card-carrying Chiefs guy, realizes that this is not the best result. Um, you know, the best result was playing that game out. And if the Buffalo Bills earned it with the win over the Bengals, good for them. They deserve it. Um, and the Bengals, I don't believe, were even out of it as well if they had won and the Chiefs had lost. All that being said, it was this unprecedented situation. What are they going to do? Uh, Adam Schefter reporting earlier today, it doesn't look like the NFL is going to try to resume, replay the Bengals versus Bills game. Um, but what this is going to do is really raise some other, other you know, questions. Is it fair for the Chiefs to win to get to 14 and three, the Bills not having the opportunity to get to 14 and three. Let's not forget the Bills did beat the Chiefs earlier this season and would have gotten the one seed based on a tiebreaker. So there's a couple possibilities that have been thrown out. One would be if Kansas City gets the one seed, the team choosing between either having the bye or a home field in the playoffs, which again, all of this is unprecedented 
or potentially a neutral site AFC championship game. So while the Chiefs would get the one seed and would get the benefit of the bye, they would not have to, they would not have the benefit of playing at Arrowhead with all of their fans in an entirely one-sided matchup. I don't mind the concept of the neutral site game. I think that probably is the fairest way to do it. And if you had it somewhere, I heard Pat McAfee talking about maybe in the Dome in Indiana uh, or potentially in Detroit. Um, I think the Chiefs fans would travel, and you know the Bills Mafia would travel as well. It would be like a mini Super Bowl, frankly, before the big one a couple of weeks later. So there's a little update on what's happening in the National Football League. It doesn't look like there'll be any resumption of that game. Um, and we'll wait over the course of the next probably 24, 48 hours for some clarity as to how Roger Goodell and the National Hockey League is going to, or National Football League, is going to try to make it as equitable and fair for all teams as possible in the AFC. Um, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines because we got a big hockey game coming up at 5.30 this afternoon, folks. Halifax will be rocking as Canada Looks to get a little revenge on Czechia after the way they spoiled the party in their first matchup of the year of the uh, tournament. And Remo, I have to say this, you know, Canada is always a favorite and Canada will be the public team. But I have to say this line at cool bet right now with Canada as a minus 476 favorite and Czechia plus 345 borderline disrespectful for, to a team that many people have thought has been the best team so far in the tournament and is in the final. Yeah, I know I you know I want to back Canada here, Huss, but sometimes when you're given odds like this for you know a team that already beat Canada earlier in the tournament that has elite goaltending. They have did you I don't know if you knew, you knew this, Huss, but former sixth overall pick, uh, David Juracek, is on Czech Republic and he's doing doing pretty well too. So he is he is an absolute stud. He's a sixth overall pick. Uh, I don't know. Again, just putting that one out there. Uh, but plus 345, I mean, they're begging you to take it. So maybe just for math. No, there won't. There will not be a sprinkle and check you to win. However, yeah, if you do want to sort of play two sides of it, this is the craziest thing is right now we're looking at the, the, the two, the puck line is two and a half. Now Canada win by three is plus 116. Czechia plus two and a half is minus 143. But if you take it to one and a half, and I could absolutely see this game being a one-goal game one way or the other. You get plus 132 on Czechia to basically lose by one goal or less. Oh, I would do that. Yeah, I think I think that is the play. Um, I did. We did get Canada money line yesterday at plus 119 to, to win by two. Um, but I, I think this is just, there's a lot of people that are auto betting Canada and this is, this is going to be maybe their biggest test, uh, of the tournament considering they didn't pass the test when they played the checks in game number one. So that is there right now. Uh, is that right? It's five all between Sweden yeah. and the USA. Everyone in chat is saying five, five. This game is amazing. So, wow. Well, isn't it really cool that both of these teams are showing out and playing their asses off for a bronze medal. A lot of times, you know, that three, four game doesn't maybe have the oomph that, you know, you would like it to have. Certainly sounds like this is a banger right now. I'll we'll have to check that out once we get off the air. As far as tonight goes in the national hockey league though, 
busy night. Uh, Preds and Hurricanes. Hurricanes will be in an orderly mood. Their 11-game winning streak snapped by the Rangers a couple nights ago. Canes minus 219 favorites. Uh, Washington minus 204 favorites on the road in Columbus. You got the New York Rangers minus 194 favorites on the road in Montreal. The depleted St. Louis Blues, a plus 149 underdog against the favored New Jersey Devils. Uh, oh, here's a banger. Set your PVRs for this one, folks. The Arizona Coyotes and the Philadelphia Flyers dropping the puck at 6 p.m. tonight. Philly hasn't been favored too often. They are tonight, minus 150. Arizona, plus 127. Kraken and Leafs in T.O., Toronto, a minus 225 favorite. Seattle, one of the great stories of the first half of the season, plus 185. Islanders and Oilers going at it in Edmonton. Oilers minus 157 faves. And a little later on tonight, the Colorado Avalanche in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Colorado, minus 152. The Vegas Golden Knights, minus 105. Actually, a slight underdog. I'm going to make that one my daily pick. Uh, Jack Eichel coming back. Penguins have lost five in a row. I like Vegas in that one. And the Boston Bruins in the LA Kings. The lone 930 start. LA plus 132. And the Boston Bruins minus 156 coming off that big win at Fenway on the weekend. If you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit. Get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks, And I uh, got to tell you, best service in the biz at CoolBet and very quick payouts. I celebrated January 1st by making a nice little deposit, even with the banks closed, or make a withdrawal, I should say, and even with the banks closed, got it within 24 hours. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for a great spot to sprinkle on games, cool bet's the place, WST, the promo code to use for that 100% deposit. Uh, Remo, any final thoughts or uh, yeah. big uh, big picks for tonight? Yeah, a couple final thoughts. Uh, we haven't touched on this one. Um I just want to give a continue to express my displeasure with Elliot Friedman's continued use of the incorrect abbreviations. I think I'm got to put in a formal complaint here to the just NHL. block him, just block him. Well, I want to get the news. I need I need to follow him for work. Everyone purposes. retweets it or says it other ways, but but yeah, uh, he writes Icymon, and I don't know if he spelled it wrong intentionally, but he spelled Icymon wrong with two M's instead <laughs> of two S's, and then he writes his abbreviation as Win. And, like, I don't know how the NHL can have their top insider repeatedly using the incorrect abbreviations mandated by the league in his official tweets. So I'm just going to leave it there. I know he's trolling everyone. I know it's a joke, but team abbreviation. You call the team by the right name, Hustler. I'll be honest. I kind of love win for Winnipeg. No, I don't. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's what you do. That's not what it is. No, you're right. But, I listen, I would be... Well, WPG is still pretty damn good. It I like makes WPG. A hell of a lot more sense. I like. WPG. I do like the fact that our abbreviation is the is the word for what you try to do on each and every hockey game. But uh, but yes, Elliot's trolling all of us. Try not to be so triggered. I'm triggered. This is this has happened for a long long time, and it seems like he has. We need we need to put a stop to it. We need to band together. And get get it on the like can is the the and you don't see any of the other insiders for any other league writing the wrong team names. Come on, <laughs> it's uh, so he, disrespectful. It's, he did actually it's, use Carolinas. Is that the first time I've seen him use a proper abbreviation? C A R. I started keeping track of um, 
some of the incorrect ones he used because I was getting really pissed off. Like <laughs> some of them he uses the correct ones. Some of them he doesn't. Like Montreal, he writes M O N. Everyone knows it's M T L. And then there's a bunch. There of was other one ones. part we started inventing new ones, like trying to make the most obscure three letters from a team's name. As long yeah, as they were in it. And- I mean, there's sometimes where he it's like where he writes like the matchups. And it's like clearly a joke. Like that's fine. Where he writes, "Okay, here's tonight's games." Like Calgary, he always writes C A L and C G. Everyone knows C G Y. But like when you're writing like transactions, like have the correct one. That's what I exactly think. put some respect on Mikey Essimont's name as well. Michael Essimont's name. And, actually, I should put some respect on it. He wants to be a yeah. and a birth name Michael. And before I didn't know that. And before we go. Um, the NHL going to announce their first wave of oh. All-Stars. So I'm triggered about this. And we really shouldn't be because it's the All-Star game. But anyways, it's something for us to talk about and get triggered on. So they're having, Emily Kaplan reported last night, they're having a revamped All-Star selection process, giving more influence to fans, which is a terrible idea, including a Twitter vote component, even worse. So I, I just want the t- players who are deserving to get into the game. And I think with this three-on-three format, First through divisions, it's already really hard if you're a really good team that has multiple all-stars because teams have to have one. Each team has to have a, a representative. Um, so basically tonight during the Capitals game on ESPN, they're going to be announcing 32 all-stars, including four goalies. Um, so, 32, one, so 32, each team gets a guy. So seemingly the Jets are going to get one guy, and we know they have like three or four deserving players. And if you want to get some other players in, you got to vote for them. So for the for the Oilers who have McDavid and Dreisaitl, you pointed this out to me, Hus. Leon Dreisaitl, he's the second leading scorer in the NHL. He will not be named an All Star tonight. And if you want him to get in, fans are going to have to vote for him uh, to be an All Star. And the Jets, I'm assuming Hellbuck is going to be going to be named an All Star tonight, and you're going to have to vote for Morrissey, or they're going to name like Vimelka the goalie from. Uh, from the Central Division, and Morrissey is the Jets all-star. But either way, I'll the Jets honest, should have two. I would, I would love it. Uh, listen, I'm the yeah. biggest Connor Hellebuck fan. We all know. I Shout out to my folks. Got me a nice retro reverse 37 uh, yeah. for Christmas. And I did see a bunch of those new ones looking very good at the games the last couple of weeks. I would have no issue if Connor Hellebuck was overlooked for the all-star yeah. game. <laughs> a, he'll get some rest. And then... Put that chip on his shoulder. No respect again. Uh, listen, I think that would be perfect if it played out that way. However, Remus mentioned and WS Tears, this is my plea for you. Normally, I could give a crap about the All Star Game, uh, but with the season that Morrissey's having, Kyle Connor, Pierre Luc Dubois, I'm not sure if any of you have any access to any bot farms. But if yeah, this we... is Twitter voting. It's all hands on deck on WST to vote for the Jets. We'll find out who they are tonight. We'll discuss it tomorrow. But uh, I think we need to band together because this team deserves to have multiple all-stars. And maybe we start a a plan to either expand the rosters at the all-star game or get a new format where we don't have to bring players from each and every single team in the league when it's so small with just the three on three to begin yeah. with. I mean, what do you doesn't like, seem th- like it's in the best case, uh, best interest of the league. Either. I just want to see the p- best players, including players on the jets rewarded for their great seasons. <laughs> I thought Wheeler was snubbed for a number of years, you know, because we're in a small Winnipeg, whatever. 
but they're having a great season. I mean, you could argue uh, Kyle Connors an all-star too, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but they're going to have probably maximum two, maybe three, if like people decide not to go. And you know, you have people saying, "Oh, the All-Star Game sucks. It's not what it used to be." It's, and maybe it does, but I don't know. I want. I like arguing about it, and I want to see the best players get get award. Maybe they got bonuses in their contracts. I know it's kind of cool seeing. That, that is, is cool. true. It is cool. Has was cool seeing Kyle Connor last year, the fastest skater, um, being recognized because I feel like Winnipeg, you know, here doesn't they don't get recognized on the national stage. And the NHL level, They're, they don't get the marquee times on Hockey Night in Canada or the marquee uh, broadcast teams. No offense, but we know who the A team. The well, A you know what the are. best way to do that is to get into the playoffs and be playing later than the rest of the Canadian that's, teams, and that's and then the best. Be forced to see the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so yes, we'll let you know. And no, Chris Vermette, I said bot farms, not pot farms. I'm not sure how any pot farm would help us get Winnipeg Jets elected to the All-Star game. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some sort of a Twitter vote. Jets certainly yeah. should be re- uh, represented in that. So it'll be all hands on deck. And just people asking about coach, how they decide the coach. So it's the divisional coach. Um, so it's by division. It's the division leader on January 11 by win percentage. So right now the Jets 6-4-5 win percentage, Dallas 6-5-0. And Dallas just lost, they just lost two in a row to LA and they dropped one to Anaheim. So if the Jets keep winning and Dallas keeps losing, um, maybe we could see Bones. And they, you know, they're going to have to make that Bones gold chain. A lot of people uh, responding to our Twitter saying, come on, Jets, like let's, let's make that something you can buy. I don't know, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, um, you know, Jets, yeah, Jets now three points back with two games in hand. So that is going to be figured out. I mean, and, and the Jets have Tampa, Vancouver, and Detroit before um, before it's named on uh, on the 11th. What a cool story that would be. Imagine Rick Bonus misses eight of the first 10 games, comes into the mess that was the Jets after the season, and gets to be coaching at the All-Star Game. And I'll tell you what, that would be huge for many of us that have significant investments in Rick Bonus, Jack Adams props for the years. So uh, let's go. Keep this thing rolling. Get at least two wins in the next three games. And maybe we will see Bones as the all-star coach. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, great way to finish up the program. I know many of you are going to be making plans to go watch this gold medal game with Canada and Czechia. Tomorrow, we'll wrap the World Juniors. We'll hear from Bones and the rest of the Winnipeg Jets getting ready for the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night. Ken Weeb's going to join us and should be a great segment with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Can't think of anyone better to talk about the crazy week in the National Football League, where things stand the effects of the injury to Mar Hamlet on Monday, and, of course, the upcoming playoffs. We'll be all over tomorrow to get ready for a big one tomorrow night between the Jets and Lightning. And, of course, Marbles are back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks to all the sponsors for making this show happen and all of you for being a part of our, uh, being part of what we're doing. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let them know how to subscribe on YouTube, and we'll catch you tomorrow at 1 p.m. on WST. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.